go like this happens once in a lifetime. Gotta make this work for us, out in the open, legit. But a nice IPO, keep it spinning, live off the juice. Live off the juice, that's the goal. Well, we got a special offer for you here before the show, which is about the short term. It's about who's red hot. As we transition to NBA's over, NHL's over, thank God. And (laughs) so, again, one of his expertise is Scott, who joins, but his other one is baseball. And we got some people that are red hot. For example, Andre Gomes, in the last week, he's up 20 units. 20 units in a week. That's a good good year, to be honest. Fezzik, when... (laughs) He's always on these lists. <laughs> always thir- finds a way. 13 and a half units in the last week. Spartan up almost 10 units in the last week. And you might say, last week, that's good. How about today? Oh, Tuesday, day of taping, Scott Seidenberg up 17 units. I don't even know how you do that. How many, a good day. Six how and many, oh. Six and oh. Now, you're thinking, okay, RJ, these are great records. How much is it going to cost us? <laughs> Nothing. We're giving you a $30 coupon. You've got to spend $0. That's the deal. You have to spend 0 You get $30 on any for anything. You can buy any best bet that's below 30 or below for free. Hey, for something for 50 you say, I want to use my $30. You got, I'm handing you $30 and asking for nothing in return. In fact, I'm going to ask for something. Rate and review. I never say that. I did once. Rate and review. If you don't like us, don't listen. Oh, no. If you don't like us, hold, hold, hold your thoughts. We'll have another time for that. <laughs> but if you like us, who would be listening? To, who hate listens to There's things? people. You know it. And I think they love it. They just don't want to admit it. <laughs> so let that, if you're schizophrenic and one side loves us and one side hates us, wait till the positive side is there, rate and review. That's my thinking. Now, how do we do this $30? It's simple. It's a coupon code. Hot 30. Hot 30. H-O-T 3-0. 30 bucks off. How good is it for? For how long? How good is it for? For how long? Through Sunday. So you could do this Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. And then it's gone. Hot 30 between now and Sunday. Spend it. Enjoy. Who knows what you're going to make from it. If you bought Scott today, you would have been up 17 units. Again, Andre Gomes up plus 20 last week. Fazic 13 and a half. Spartan almost 10. The wheel keeps on turning. On to the show. The NBA is over. What are we going to talk about, edition? A lot. That's what. I'm RJ Bell, joined by the most winning NFL handicapper last year on this show, Steve, no, A.J. Hoffman. Oh. A.J. Hoffman sitting in Fezzik's seat. We got Scott Seidenberg. We got Mackenzie Rivers. We got me again, RJ. We got a guest in from Pittsburgh. You got to love that. Fezzik, one week vacation. He's he, it's Waikiki a, or the rest of the island? It's a highfalutin <laughs> vacation. Let's just say that no one that grew up in West Virginia, near West Virginia like me, near, near, could ever consider a vacation like that. Why is that? You can't take it with you, AJ. It's true. I mean, you're not. You're 60k on a, a pool, 
Imagine that. That's added equity to my home. Uh, yeah, that's what they keep saying. Is uh, <laughs> imagine when you were growing up, if your dad driving around in a, what a court was it a uh, Chevelle? What kind of car? Were you? My mom had a Mustang with no seatbelts. Exactly. You guys were bouncing around in the back. Your yeah. dad was drinking uh, Strohs. Yeah. No Bud Light. It was Bud Light back Even then. Even back then, yeah. He didn't know about what they do politically and no, stuff. No, he didn't know. He didn't care. I think he would. I, I have a feeling he would have <laughs> cared. It's a different time. You were saying he wouldn't have cared. He wouldn't have cared. I think he would have cared. <laughs> you, can you see your dad drinking a beer that is that, that is like apparently the whole right of the country hates now. Actually, yeah. All right. So my he, mom, no. So he, my dad, yeah. Okay. Interesting. My mom and dad, are, they veer different. Is ways that why you feel so conflicted politically? I don't feel conflicted politically. Well, I mean, people try to put a pigeonhole you, and it's like one day you're saying that guns are great, the next day you're saying Trump's horrible. I mean, it's confusing to a lot of people. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, you're uh, complex. I'm a complex man. You're yeah. complex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now here's the nice thing about Fez being gone, and this is a new tradition for the week. A new tradition I'm going to start. Whenever someone's not here, we're going to talk about them a little bit. <laughs> and, and specifically, what is it that this person has done since they missed the last show that tells something about them, but you wouldn't be comfortable saying it in front of them? I thought it was weird when Fezzik started taking his shirt off when he was doing the weight loss challenge. Like it made me oh, no, very that's uncomfortable. That's a great one. That's a great. Now we're going to save this. This is called a tease. Okay. But you, you, that just told you how great this segment's going to be yeah. here in about an hour. Is so. Let's do that now. All right. So, uh, like great that you're losing weight and all. All right. So what, you were his cons- you were his counselor. I was. I was. Yeah, helping him out. Okay. Again, you're not a doctor. I'm not. Uh, but guess what. In the last six weeks, I've lost 22 pounds. Well, how many thanks. times have you guys this seen This is an excuse to announce that? <laughs> no. How many times have you seen me take my shirt off in the studio? Zero. I don't do that. No, it's interesting. He said, how many times have you seen? Yeah. Which is a sign I only do it when it you guys the, aren't around. With, with the drapes pulled. You yeah. see him in his office? He's, just, he's using the window as a mirror? <laughs> you know, I don't enjoy in general anyone that takes pictures on the internet and they spread them. But the worst picture is when you see some dude or... I guess we'll call him a dude who's like usually between 18 and 25 and they're in the mirror like flexing and it's like someone you know didn't get picked in the top half of gym class but somehow they decide they were going to live for a while and they got this look where they're like shaking trying to get muscles that I, that disturbs me I don't like it either so do you I'm, do that I'm not a gym selfie guy now okay I do you do yeah clearly. do you oil down for that no but your sweat helps so you do it after a workout clearly you need the pump the, you need the pump. I think I heard that on uh, Jersey uh, Jersey Shore. I think I heard the pump. Should watch the Arnold documentary on Netflix too. But we're not talking about the one that uh, pumping iron. No, there's a like a three part Arnold documentary. They play it. They play the thing on Stern where he says it's better than coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's not him lifting now. No, no. Okay, thank God. Because I mean, his heart. I don't think he can even lift at this point. But you just got to get the pump. Okay, he's good at imitations. I can't lie. I wonder if he's home by himself just doing them. Yeah, in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Like he pretends to be Arnold when he's taking those photos. He's like, look at these arms. Do you do a. See, that wasn't. (laughs) I know, I can't do it right. (laughs) Were you doing a Joe Piscopo at any point? No. Saturday Night Live? No, but 
Actually, yeah, he did. Eh? Yeah, he's probably a little younger. No, he's, he's yeah, probably... he was. No, but the Ebony and Ivory sketch with Eddie Murphy is a classic one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the Fezzik thing, and this will be a sample. So he has a weight loss contest. Mm-hmm. He's getting beat. He's pretty committed to it because it was like multiple thousands of yeah. dollars. Somehow he pushed it. Yeah, which I find I give him credit. It was unbelievable because he was like ninety-eight percent to lose. I don't think he was ever any percent to lose. No, he was. But the first one that got to 180, he lost. It wasn't, you had to get to 180. There was a certain point, if someone got there first, it was over. But then if they didn't get there first and got into that next tier, then it was about who was that on the day of the, you know, I guess the culmination day. Okay. He, he, I mean, he was in a situation where even if he had lost a lot of weight at a, at a human pace, he would have lost. But somehow Wishnef, I think that's his name, went, um, they stopped dead where he was. It started gaining weight. Well, you remember he had a health scare, and the doctor was like, you need to quit losing so much weight so fast. I can't believe, uh, I don't want to say you know a bad word, but pussy. Well, I think you pushed through and collapsed. I would have fought through for the bet. I would have, too. Yeah, if you die, you die. That's part of the game. That's, that's part of the gamble. I mean, that's the whole point of the game, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. To, to risk people's health? I mean, <laughs> I mean, isn't that the whole point of the yeah. UFC? and all Sure. Because here's the thing. With the weight loss in the divisions, they could easily say, you got to weigh in once a month, and you can never, you can't fight in the next 12 months at a weight lower than minus 15 pounds, yep. whatever the way. And then all of a sudden, everyone would go to their natural weight, yep. and it would be the same as now. Yeah. Except everyone's killing themselves. Constantly. It's like the PD thing. If everyone's on it or no one's on it, it's the same thing. Right. But in 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 the instance of weight cutting, no one wants to be the person to say, "I'm going to take a stand and fight at my natural well, weight." Well, yeah, it doesn't. It, you, it'd be very hard. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing. Who's the best fighter today on the men's side that isn't a super a heavyweight? Uh, Islam Mahashev. All right, Mahashev. All right. Now, where's he? Is he, he from West Virginia? He's from Dagestan. No, <laughs> Dagestan. Yeah. What's that even? I don't know. What Western that is. Russia, like Islamic Ooh. Russia. Okay, now That's I. Where Hezbollah's from? Yeah. Hezbollah, like the the, the, the terrorist group? No, the tiny person. <laughs> oh. say, uh, <laughs> not Hezbollah. Okay, I, Hezbollah. Well, I don't think you made much distinction okay. like that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, am I right? Is that the one that some would say is a terrorist? Yes. yes. I just want to make sure yes. I'm getting that yes. right. It'd be funny if I was talking about the good side, quote unquote, and it'd be like, oh, no, he called, you know, it's like, I don't know what I'm talking about with this. I think Ari Gold once made a Hezbollah joke. I don't, remember, remember, I don't remember that. Remember they were trying to sell the movie, and then there was the dude who was like the the dude from like uh, uh, United Arab yeah, Emirates, yeah. and he was like, and then uh, they asked Ari, should we take it? He goes, we don't know where he gets his money. <laughs> I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, yes, 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 I, think it, yes. I think so. Okay. My wife, she's very upset. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was one of the best seasons, and then the show went downhill. Like When there was the aftermath of it not being any, mm-hmm. yeah. But I love Entourage. I love on. I mean, like, love it. Okay, that guy, has the Hezbollah guy, uh-huh. is... <laughs> Mahashev, I think we're talking about. I think, I'm not sure. But is, if he was at his normal weight, mm-hmm. and everyone else cut, would he still be the champion? I, like, the way he ends up being. Like, how, I think he would be. Like, if he, if he fought at 170 instead of 155, and he didn't but cut... It's more than 15 pounds these guys cut, isn't it? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> so. So if he fought at 185, which is the next weight class yeah. up, I don't think he'd be the champion. See, so you're saying the best guy in the world, if he doesn't cut weight, can't win. I It'd think. be the best. Yeah. That's a story there. Yeah. You see how I cut to the heart of it? Right? Yeah. I mean, it was like, what can you do now? Everyone's doing it. Yeah. 
when you look at it, and I mean, the problem is the UFC doesn't have enough weight classes. Like if they well, if, see, I think that's one of the beauties of it initially was because remember you don't remember that. I, mean, I guess you maybe do in the eighties when it was like Sugar Ray, Duran, Hearns, Hagler. There was a everyone had four titles, and it was like it ruined it, right? Like the idea of a lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight would be the best, right? But how many did the UFC have? They go uh, flyweights, 125, mm-hmm. they 135, 45, 55. That's not enough. 70, All right. 85, 205, and then heavyweight. Okay, that seems like a lot. But the the get like the difference between 170 and 185 and then 185 to 205, the, the gaps are so big. Well, well, remember, as you gain weight, each 10 pounds doesn't mean as much. So it's almost like the break point on the money line, yeah. right? I like it. Now, apparently this uh, lady, uh, Nunez. Amanda Nunez. All right. She, not Hezbollah, I don't think, right? Yeah. But she, she is retiring. Yeah. But she had two weight classes, but apparently the one hadn't been defended yeah. hard. So, like, they had an extra one there, and it was just a joke because it was a Cyborg or whatever. Yeah, they she wanted. fought her, like, years ago. They haven't defended it since. The, the UFC has put no money into the featherweight mm-hmm. division, the women's featherweight division. Uh, so, it's an example of not having these it's a super tool. niche. Di- yeah, not having these super niche divisions, I think, helps because when you have titles, people don't care about what's the point. True. Yeah, okay. So, you think she's the best of all time? There's no doubt. Like, it's Wayne Gretzky slam dunk. Every other person who's in the conversation for greatest of all time from a female standpoint, Amanda Nunes has finished in a fight. But here's the thing. When you're catching Ronda Rousey after she gets all blubbery, I mean, there's a picture of her when she got beat the first. I think it was Holly Holmes, was Mm -hmm. it? The first time she got beat. I got it actually a, a five by seven. I made it, it just shows you. It doesn't matter how tough you are. If you get out, if you're not doing it the right way, you're going to lose. She's sitting there like bloody and she's got like a paunch like Mackenzie. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like, like seriously, it looks like she could lose 25 pounds right there. It's like, again, maybe it was the way she was laying, but it was like she wasn't anywhere near where she was earlier at the end. Yeah, right? that's fair. So that's my question. We know the UFC in general has evolved at a rapid pace. Sure. Like a guy like, uh, who was the guy on Entourage? Uh, Chuck Adele. Chuck Liddell. Liddell, Liddell. He, he, if he was in his prime and moved to today, he'd get crushed, he'd right? He'd be smashed. Because everything's evolved. Yeah. Right? It's not about him. It's about the evolution yeah. of the game. So we got to acknowledge that. But let's say how good they were relative to their uh, um, competitors at the time, their contemporaries. Rousey was more dominant during her run than than anyone's been. Yes. I think. So isn't that the ultimate measure? But she fought at a time where there, like the women's MMA, was so new that there there just weren't any good female fighters. So Ronda Rousey was pretty good. So she wrecked all of them. Okay. So you so you think during the prime prime she still gets crushed? I do. But how much? That's the question. How much of that was the evolution of the game as opposed to Rousey was limited by because you only get better if you fight better people. Yep. Yeah, because I remember at the time she was beating everyone like she in 30 was dominant, seconds. No doubt, and Amanda Nunes beat her in under a minute. But again, it was at the, it was after she already. First of all, when you knock out that badass the first time, like the Tyson effect, it changes everything. Uh, yeah, Ronda Rousey had a lot of quit in her, and like I would say, Ronda Rousey is the ultimate front runner. When shit was going great for Ronda Rousey, she was beating her chest. She's I'm the greatest in the world. When once she lost, and we, we all, I used to always talk about this, like when a when an undefeated fighter loses that zero, mm-hmm. how do they respond? She responded about as poorly as you possibly could. Like it was like every everything that she made herself out to be 
was an undefeated fighter. And when she lost that, she lost who she was. Okay, so here's an example. I'm going to talk low so AJ doesn't get mad. Here's an example of how AJ used to rip people. It was like, there's a lot of quit in Ronda Rousey. I, I, think, you're, I think generally you're right, but here's the question. And I'm having fun with you being hardcore, but now I'm getting serious again. Is from all I understand, she like slept, like wasn't she sleeping in a car at some point with her mom or something? Like she had a tough upbringing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Usually those upbringings can, can usually, now we're talking generally, they can toughen. If someone's got a lot of talent and will, it toughens them up, but there's still a lot of underlying issues often beneath the surface because you haven't had a chance to work through them. I mean, what was Ronda Rousey when she was the biggest star? 25 years old? 26? Yeah, probably. How many people, how were you at 25, 20? You had been in the service a long time, which should mature you. Yeah. But, and I think you probably were more mature than Ronda Rousey at the time, but it's like, how do we judge people by what they do when they're 25? Especially once, if they become a star at 18. Now she didn't, but you know what I'm saying. It's hard to think you're going to, I don't know many people that grow that aren't forced to grow. I think that's a good point. I mean, it's like if you get to the point, you get your, you lose your if job. If you keep having success, like yeah. why not? Why would you change? You're thinking you're the exception. Yeah. You know, and I don't know hardly anyone that grows without being forced. And now some people are forced, and they don't, and thus they they suffer the consequences. It's funny, like uh, George St. Pierre, who a lot of people think of as the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Yeah, from West Virginia. Right? Uh, no, oh. <laughs> he's from Canada, but he was this dominant force. And he lost, in fact, in Houston at UFC 69, he lost to a guy named Matt Sarah, who ended up being like a middle-of-the-road guy for the long haul. He, he got knocked out by Matt Sarah, and it was like one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. And George St. Pierre, like, it, it changed him. He said, I wasn't taking this seriously. I thought I was good enough to, to be half-assed. I and thought it was, I was up to that point. Yeah, he was like, I was good enough to go out drinking and, and not take things seriously. And he's like, that fight changed me. And he never lost again. Never lost another fight. And that's why, as much as I, I respect Mayweather, obviously, every time you say his name, you got to say, it was horrible what he did. Obviously, there's a reason there was legal consequences. But as a fighter, I think as a, a, as a businessman, I think he's a revolutionary. I think the fact he took the money and every other fighter, even... You could make the case that even the the generation before what well, Delahoya, for example, am I saying that right? Delahoya, De yeah, De yeah. Um, he ended up having his promotion and all that, but he at the time as a fighter, he didn't get as much money no. out of it as he should have. Mayweather, you know, when he got his big payday when he fought Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the negative to me with Mayweather, again, talking business and and in the ring, was his obsession with keeping that zero. Yeah. Because how many great fights? I mean, it wouldn't have been great if it was three Pacquiao fights and maybe it's a 2-1 Mayweather win. Would we think less of him? No. I mean, most people consider Ali the greatest fighter of all time. He's got multiple losses. I don't. I think most not. I love Ali. But I think most people think Sugar Ray Robinson was the best. Uh, people understand boxing, yeah. wouldn't you say? I, I, I think there there's some splits. But yeah, I, I, but I do. I don't know if I would say more people think. Mm. I, maybe, maybe I'm watching. I'm thinking about the old shows on like ESPN Classic, where like Burt Sugarman's talking. Maybe <laughs> yeah. now there's been a reevaluation. Are but, we talking pound for pound or best fighter, best heavyweight fighter? No, no, we, we think Sugar Ray Robinson could beat Ali, 50 pounds heavier. Right. That's all you can do is pound for pound, right? I agree. But if you're too small, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's be. If you're a fly, like those flyweights that are like it's like a cartoon, <laughs> or if you're a lady. Well, no, I mean, a lady might, if pound for pound, she might be. I just wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
So back to Fezzik and finishing up this sample. And we got our UFC talk in. Because I had a few questions. I actually randomly read an article. Dave. See how knowledgeable I get from reading one article? Look at that. <laughs> it's like, I don't, as I often say, I don't watch as many games as most people in my position. But I actually watched a game really closely, like last NFL season. And I had like three insights. That AJ's like, geez, you really had some insights. But so I still <laughs> this is what happens when I watch the game. <laughs> and I, <laughs> but again, I think there's two sides to that. I really do. I think if you don't watch all the games, it can be very dangerous. Um, it's, or you can watch it as a fan and understand you're not a scout on the yeah. couch, you know, which I think is scary sometimes. Um, he was in this contest. He lost some real weight. And then you notice a change. Yeah. Which was? He started wearing sleeveless shirts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He would randomly flex. Now, were, they, were they sleeveless bought that way, or did he have both. scissors? He had both. He had scissor cut ones, and he had like tank tops that he bought. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that were new. They still had the tags on. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes like you would talk about him losing weight, and he'd be, he'd be talking, he'd hyped up about how, how good he's feeling. And he'd just pull his shirt off and you know, flex. Let me show you something and just take his shirt off. <laughs> and no one would ask for this. He just did it. I mean, people and would shield their eyes. Yeah, it, it was just, and I mean, good for him. I was proud of him to lose all that weight. I just don't need you to take your shirt off in front of me. I'm so good. What does that say? Here's the question. What does it say about him? It says that he has a, a an overwhelming need for affirmation. Con- affirmation. Yeah, like for people to say, hey, good job. We see what you're doing. So you think there's times he does things against his principles just for affirmation? I think so. That's a hell of a statement. Mm-hmm. Flag that for the um, video <laughs> cutout. <laughs> We're going to have Scott's opinion. <laughs> Mackenzie's opinion, they, they've they had a tumultuous relationship. They have, yeah. I mean, everyone does with Mackenzie, but it was even more than usual, right? And then mine. it's Mine's going to be biting. I hope, it, I hope the relationship continues. <laughs> Stand by. That's in an hour. First, though, let's talk the NBA finals are over. You know something? Do we want to do NFL first? We're going to let our guests decide, our Pittsburgh guy. I know what NFL you're first or NBA first? He's going to say NFL. NFL. NFL it is. Now, this is an example of us picking one season win per week for five weeks, but we get one pass. So that means four picks each, and it's going to be action points. All right? So if I pick, like, let's give an example of one of my picks, because that's what people here care about. Let's be honest. Uh, Oh, was that over the mic? Did they hear that? Oh, shoot. We'll edit it up. Okay. Well, we don't add it. So Rams over, obviously, Rams over six and a half was my pick. Now, at the time, and we this, is a, this isn't a paramutual. I mean, we get the odds at the time of the pick. Over six and a half was minus 110. But if it ends up being over, I guess it's going to be flipped here. So it's going to be the, you know, the question is if you'd go above it or below it, the payouts adjust. So, for example, if I somehow went over 10 and a half, I would get plus 750 if they won 11 games. But if somehow it went under two and a half, I'd have to pay 900 to win, or 900, nine, do- nine times my bet. And each of these bets are $100 per person. So I'd have to pay 900 to AJ, 900 to Scott, 900 to Fez, 900 to McKenzie. The stakes are high here. No doubt. All right, first up, Scott Seidenberg, what do you got? Oh, I thought we were going to hold them on our heads again to make sure we get them all uh, right at the same time because we all put them in the middle. Well, so yeah, but I, that's because I don't trust you guys. Okay, <laughs> I'm going with the New Orleans Saints over nine and a half wins. Ooh, now I will say this: this is run, this is the first pick I think so far that bucks 
the wise guys but from any i think everyone's been pretty on what the wise guys feel mm-hmm. like they do not necessarily like the over obviously the question here is strength of schedule but go yes and someone's got to win this division the Saints are the favorite to do so. But they now, don't have to win 10 games. I agree that nine wins could very easily win this division, but it is an easy schedule, relatively. Their crossover games are with the AFC South, Ooh. and they play the NFC North, which is down as well. Yeah, geez. That might be the three easiest divisions. Yes, their own They're, division, yeah. the AFC South, and the NFC North. Their extra road game, as Fezzik would like to say, we don't like NFC overs because they have the extra road game this year. Their extra road game is Week 16 at the Rams, a team that at that point in the season might not be interested in winning a football game. I think that's fair to say. So I like the Derek Carr acquisition. This team was decent last year with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Now you give them Derek Carr, who's a much more viable option. The one thing that concerns me is if Alvin Kamara does have some disciplinary issues that forces him to miss some games, but they also brought in— So this is from the Vegas incident still? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Now he's still— they did bring in Jamal Williams, who was the running back from the Lions last mm-hmm. year. So he is a very suitable uh, replacement for the time being, however long he's out. Also, Taysom Hill. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> he can do during OTAs today, Derek Carr passing to Alvin Kamara could not stop raving about this guy's route running and his hands. Yeah. I think it's when do very, you ever hear negative? Of course, out of, of course. Camp. But it, it seems like Derek Carr is very happy to be where he is right now with the weapons that he has. Saints in that division. I think your handicap is too long. When you're talking about the quarterback who's making forty million is happy. Yep. I think we assume that part of it. Well at least we should. Alright, I I I don't like this, but I like the boldness of it. Um let me think. Here's another reason I like it. The Saints are trying to win. They're, they're almost like the most delusional. Like last <laughs> year was the one. Like you would think this would be the year. Let's get our cap in order. No, they say we're trading up for two number ones. We're, mm-hmm. And we got Andy Dalton lined up. I mean, it's like they try. Maybe there's something to be learned from that. Because these guys that are too smart, too cool for school, the analytics guys, they're also like, I can't believe Minnesota isn't trading Cousins. It's like, well, how good is Cousins? By all accounts, now, he was a little down last year, but let's say the 12th best quarterback. I don't think you could even make the case he's worse than that. Why would trading the 12th best quarterback be like an imperative? I'm not saying that you couldn't imagine a scenario would be a good trade, but the fact that people can't imagine a scenario that it could be good to keep the 12th best quarterback, something screwy. Something's screwy because of that. And maybe it's this whole culture of if you don't win it, what's the point? I got to be honest with you. As a Steelers fan, I'm as familiar with winning as anyone walking the earth. You've never had a losing season? Well, Uh, Under Tomlin. Yeah. Or under when Big Ben went before that, which I think might be more of it. But I guess last year proved it maybe wasn't just that. Um, I have had times... Like, for example, last year, the year before, when Pittsburgh looked like, I mean, they were four and eight. They almost looked impossible. Mm-hmm. Fezzik had him number 20. Our biggest argument on air ever was he had him number 29. I'm like, you're crazy. He goes, I'm not crazy. He starts screaming. Back. And I, you know, I took his shirt off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he goes, I wish I was a better weight than this. <laughs> and when they came back and they went, to me, I was so excited about that. When they, Got beat again. The Big Ben's last healthy year before you know he 
got old, but then he blew out his arm that second game. The year before that, they went to the AFC Conference Finals against the Patriots. They lost easy. I didn't like that team at all. And when they lost, I was like, of course they did. I had no joy from that. I had more joy from them as an underdog, you know, almost making the playoffs last year, making the playoffs the year before. So that's the question as fans. Do we, are we title or nothing? And again, I know it's easy being a Steeler fan. I'm so used to the titles. AJ, where are you at with that? Because your teams have never They've won a title. They've never won a title, yeah. So I don't know what it's like. So I, you're a, a Bills fan? A Bills fan, yeah. And you're a Houston Texans fan. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate to see the Texans have some I mean, success. You, you didn't hold it against them when they banned you from the facility? No. So how do you think? Now being like that Buffalo 66 kind of futility, how do you think about it? I think that seasons like the last couple have been more fun than the seasons when they don't make the playoffs. So for me, it's like... The season in which they lost in the last 13 seconds. So not last season, but the season before. That was more fun. That was more fun than them going 6-10, and 10. yeah. So you've been beat down so yeah, much. I really yeah, I really Okay. Because that seems like it's harder. Because they could have easily... Remember, Cincinnati yeah. was the next... And Cincinnati wasn't as good as they were last yep. year, even though they didn't make the Super Bowl last year. And the Rams weren't that good. No. I mean, the Bills are clear favorites in both of those games. I agree. It hurt, but it's better than being 6-10. and 10. When Parcells schooled you guys and there was that missed field goal, do you, did you watch the play? The, in, uh, you're talking about like the first Super Bowl, the 2019? No. Against, when's the Bills, when did Parcells school the Bills? The 20 to 19 Super Bowl. Oh, like, I thought you said 19, like you're 2019. No, the 20 to 19 final. Okay. Yeah, I, I watched it. You were, how'd that feel? That felt really terrible. Did you cry? No. I mean, I was, I was like 11 or 12. And you didn't cry? I didn't cry, but I was pretty bummed out. I can't believe you didn't cry. I didn't cry. Your, like, your emotions were bottled up weirdly. I, I don't really cry about sports. Because of your bottled up emotions? I think so, yeah. Scott, if you would have had the Yankees were your, mm-hmm. and the Yankees hadn't when they won it what ninety six, mm-hmm. they hadn't won it since what eighty or eighty one. I can't before I was born. Yeah, because the Dodgers won it in eighty one. I think Phillies won it in eighty. Pirates in seventy nine. I was a big baseball fan, and then it drifted away. Thanks to the Pirates. The, I mean, <laughs> it, it broke my spirit. Actually, Same. now that I think about it. <laughs> All right. If if the Yankees would have had this tumultuous loss like they were had and it was almost like let's say the Red Sox in 87 kind of loss at the time if you were 11 or 12 would you have cried probably yeah I think yeah. so I think yeah. so I mean I cried I'm, I'm emotionally I cried detached I mean in 95 McKenzie when he didn't get invited to the prom he cried I mean I mean that to me he's in touch with his emotions at least right McKenzie exactly <laughs> I mean the Yankees lost to the Mariners in 95 and then Mattingly retired like I, I love Don Mattingly so I, you cried. I, I cried Mattingly's career was over and see, he never won see you see you're just trying to di- I bet your boys would cry I don't think so anyone who watches family ties like that <laughs> I mean like ask him on the last episode Alex is going around going I'm in the money I'm in the money you remember that yep. you ever see that I had a little tear at the time. I don't think either of my boys are emotionally attached to sports teams. I'm talking about family ties. Okay, maybe family ties. I, just do me a favor. Just ask him. When you watch the final episode of Family Ties. How'd you feel? Did you, how'd you feel? Okay, I'll ask him. Report it next week. We'll do. Doing a lot of teases now. Yeah. I used to do terrestrial radio. Yeah, I mean, I tell. understand that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't fulfill them often, but, you know. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts from anyone but me on the Saints? Well, McKenzie. I like the under. This is our first crossfire well, well, between me and Scott. I this like, is your official pick? Yes. 
Oh my gosh. All right. So give us your thought. I don't know if you guys have heard, but I have this theory about NFC teams going under this year with nine road games. <laughs> I mean, we make fun, but it's, it's a it's That's very the biggest laugh analysis. you've ever gotten, actually. That was a good one. Pretty good. There's another reason I like it, and that's because Derek Carr, there's a big upgrade, big up arrow in the Super Bowl odds, win total, when he went to the Saints. I think generally, we saw this with the Broncos last year, the hype does not meet a new quarterback landing in the city. I got some numbers from our database here. Teams with a new starting quarterback, 18 overs, 28 unders at 61% since 2016, going under by .7 wins per season. I know. Is it a new quarterback, including a rookie? Including a rookie or a veteran, just a different quarterback than they had the year before. So here's what I'd like you to do throughout the rest of the show, then, or as quickly as you can do it, is let's have a flag in there if it's a rookie or not a rookie. Cool. Because a veteran coming in, it may be worse, it may be better, but it's certainly different. Yeah, right. Definitely. All right, so your thinking is, okay, maybe Carr does. So in general, if you had a second half of the year over under, right, which would obviously have to account for strength of schedule and all that, Mm -hmm. you would be more inclined to not like the under. Yes. And you'd be more inclined, I guess, to like the under in the first half of the year. Yes, exactly. Do you think there's any merit to this? I'm a believer in Carr. And I've seen it happen relative to last year. And I've seen it happen with the Saints before. Drew Brees came over, and people didn't expect much when he came from the Chargers. He had the bum shoulder; he couldn't throw. And revolution, he he, you know, changed the whole future of that franchise. Yeah, Sean, but Sean Payton, right? That's very true. Yes. So, but they go hand in hand. What's the over under? Do you think for the Saints? Head coach being there. I mean, if I gave you one and a half years, meaning if he starts or if he finishes this year, finishes next, no, so maybe not one. And a half, I guess it'd be two and a half. Yeah, because well, no, last say, year was the first. Let's say year. does he? The question, yes, no. Does he coach the first game three years from now? So this upcoming year is one. Then there's the next season, and then that next first game. So there'd be like 34 games between now and then, 17 and 17. Would you say yes or no, Allen? Is he there? I say yes only because the organization has a history of stability. Mm-hmm. And when you look at organizations that do things like that, like your Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. they tend to have success, and they also don't tend to deviate from that plan. So here's the difference. I like that you say that, but here's where it's off, I think. Benson. Chuck No, never been a head coach before. Mm-hmm. Young coach. Obviously, Cower, never been a head coach. Mike Tomlin was like 33, never been a head coach. So if you take someone that is going to have some growing pains, most likely, there's still never any evidence of them failing. Once you have a retread, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, shit, he didn't do much with the Raiders. right?" So to some degree, and again, I don't know how the Saints front office thinks, Mm -hmm. but in, in general, it feels like... You got a retread that would, if he wasn't the DC for that team the year prior, there's no chance he gets that job. And I'm not saying it makes it wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think Scott's, Scott's saying that he likes over nine and a half. If Dennis Allen wins 10 games this year and wins the division, he's probably safe. You for, know, for, beyond. For, he's certainly safe for that year. But I think, let's say the next year they win eight. I mean, I think the leash is short and maybe it's not even pertinent. I just think, I don't see, I don't think we can say the Saints and their organization institutionally is a big thing. I don't know how much of that is Mickey Loomis and how much of that was Sean Payton. I know this. They didn't have a long leash for Mike Ditka. Uh, was that the same owner? 
Uh, I don't, oh, know. I don't know. I don't know. So, but what I would say, I don't think that. What do you think? Like the Illuminati? Well, running I mean, it? if he's talking about the Saints, or like that's why you can't really compare the Saints organizationally to the Steelers because right. the Steelers very few, have a, very yeah. few you compare the Steelers. <laughs> Just consistency, like steel almost. Yeah, like the coal miners and the steel. Funny how they came up with that name. Well, you know, in the I don't know if our guest knows this. You know, the Eagles and the Steelers combined teams in the forties. The, yeah, he's he he's just giving a knowing nod, like of, of course, course. Yeah. we we learned that in grade school. Were they called we? the Steagles. <laughs> I think so, something That's like funny. that. There's some, I guess, there's some hipsters that wear like the shirts, okay. like which I I could, you know I can kind of see that. Um, but again, you don't want to just you know in a way it's kind of sacrilegious. Okay, it's so funny. I always tell stories where Mary the first time she came back to the Pittsburgh area, you know, where I grew up. And there was a lot of shocking things. Let's just say very shocking. <laughs> she grew up in Montana. Um, but at one point, it was I can remember exactly what it was. It was when the Tennessee Titans were good. And they beat Pittsburgh. One, I can't remember the game. And they had that D-tackle that ended up going to Washington. Then he went to Patriots. Who was that guy's name? He was a real uh, Hainsworth, I think. Is it, was his Albert, Albert Hainsworth? Yeah. yeah. The one who got in trouble. It, did he get in trouble? I can't. But Hainsworth was a really like all pro mm-hmm. level guy at Tennessee, so they were all you know chesty and everything. And at one point, they actually stomped on the terrible towel. So then, what they had was they, the Channel Four out of Pittsburgh had like maybe ten minutes of man on the street questions. What do you think about them stepping on the towel? And people were going, "I can't believe this! America is going downhill." And at one point, she turns to me and goes, "It's like they burned baby Jesus or something." It was. <laughs> Because they stepped on the terrible towel that was 10 minutes on the local news. That's different. That's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are the Dream Preview. I'm R.J. Bell. We got Fez, who's going to hate that he was on vacation because A.J. came out hot. You heard that. I didn't know we were waiting. And that's just <laughs> spit it out there. And that's just the beginning. All right. AJ, you're up next. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins under nine and a half wins. Now, that's interesting. Because I got the opposite. Let's go. I will say this. McKenzie's fade was a little different. Because McKenzie goes, "Uh, I'll take a blah, 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 whoever he said. And then somehow somehow there was like, you know, I'm reconsidering. So what he, in fact, I want to break this down because I don't even know if this is fair. So everyone writes down their pick. I'm last because I'm different. And I'm thinking, all right, what do I, but I haven't seen the picks yet. They're in the middle. I haven't looked at the picks. So I'm asking about a couple teams, what the odds mm-hmm. are. Two of them didn't even have odds. So I have to go to my third pick, and I make my pick, which was over Dolphins. Now, after that, McKenzie goes, I don't know about the pick I made. Uh, and then he hears Scott go, because your team that you originally wrote didn't have mm-hmm. odds on. If, apparently, DraftKings is taking odds down at this point for whatever I don't know. He hears you go over Saints. You write it down. He goes, I'll go under Saints. <laughs> Now, that is, I get, in a way, you're making the bet. Direct I, challenge. But, and it's exactly physics kind of, you want it, you know, he hears someone going over NFC. If I, hear honest question, if I had over Saints, would you have said, I won't go under? I probably would have picked a third pick. That <laughs> All right. So, in a way, you're saying he's like the weak gazelle. Scott's the weak gazelle. He didn't cause me to change my pick. I'm not saying I picked it because he picked the Saints, but, but he didn't you, cause me to change the pick. Except it wasn't your pick. Well, he he was like Scott, and you, the pick that he had originally uh-huh. was was unavailable. Okay. So the fact that the Saints was his next pick, where's the proof of that? There is none. 
Exactly. I think he was weak at that point, and he figures, he figures I'll fade. I'll be. I'll tell Fezzik next week how I did. The, the new re- Rattler. Yeah. It was like the Rattler. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> By the way, while we're on my pick, we got those numbers. It's a little bit worse if you're a veteran quarterback replacement, 62% unders. Uh, and what is it if it's a rookie? It was 61%. Or, oh, if it's a rookie, it's four and five. Uh, four out of nine, whatever that is. So you're saying in, since 2016, there's been nine rookie starting quarterbacks. That doesn't sound right at all. Um. Yes. I'll double check that. I mean, let's think about it. There was five. Like, I know Trey Lance hasn't started yet, but I mean, there was like five of them. Well, you see, we probably need to do another thing. Is what if you're a second year guy like Mahomes? Where does he fit into that? Mm-hmm. Right, Aaron Rodgers type. I say thing. he's a vet. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a very different thing. Yeah. Right? Drew or not Drew Brees, but um, obviously, you know, Drew, this year, yeah, right, uh, Rodgers. Yeah, you know, is. There's certain like it's someone who's been in the system for two or three years. Matt Matt Ryan, who hasn't necessarily played, Last, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, but I, it is interesting that the, the veterans are 62 percent to the under season win total when they transfer teams. But how many times also does a veteran quarterback go to a team that is like? Like Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets that has a Super Bowl favorite. Like the or, Denver Broncos last year. That's, that's the Denver, comp that I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, or Denver. Denver. Yeah, but it's usually a veteran quarterback that's going to a team towards the end of his career mm-hmm. that it's not— I think that's you know, an interesting thing. Now, I, I do think that um, the Vikings, you know, the, the question is Washington didn't want to give— the contract, but I see that's interesting. An all like Tom Brady, obviously, would be mm. another example, yeah. right? When he went to Tampa, hmm. which was like the rarest example of all time up to that point, yeah. yeah. And it's now it's getting much more common mm-hmm. now. But you're right, back in the day, Joe Namath went to the Rams, so yeah, like, Montana going to the Casey, Chiefs, you know? they, Sam Montana. Darnold to the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the Montana had stuff left in the They tank. went to the playoffs, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just that was the bold move by yeah. Walsh is, is to go with Young at that point, which, again, was a smart move. Um, you know what's funny? There's a book that Bill Walsh wrote with um, with uh, Billick, Brian Billick, mm-hmm. so the guy that the won coach, a title Ravens with the coach. Ravens. Yeah, and this was like 98 they wrote it, and – you can't get a copy of it online or eBay for less than like $350. So it's like one of those books. I don't know if it's just, it's so popular or maybe there was a shortage of them at the time, but it's kind of interesting. I have a, uh, an alert that anytime that there's a new one up on eBay, I get an email Mm -hmm. and it's never less than 300. Wow. Yeah. And there was one bookstore in Texas about a year ago that had it for $115. I ordered it immediately, never delivered it. And it was a big hassle to get the credit card charged back. And I mean, this is on a big platform. Huh. You weren't involved in that. I word. was not. <laughs> All right, so, McKe- so I think we got another point here. Anyone's teams that they picked first and didn't have odds gets first crack at them next week. Because right? it's only fair. Like, I don't want to give the picks away, but we know what one I was going with, right? Mm-hmm. Is... Uh, you know, well, I don't have to give the over-under. The Jets. Yep. Right? I had a pick on the Jets. Next week. Now, I think you get one week. The first week those odds are up, you got to pick it or you lose your right. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? So what? Was, you don't have to say over-under, but what was your first uh, team, McKenzie? I listen to everything you say. The New York Jets. So, But that was after me. So that means you don't have anything then, any dibs. Boy, this guy. <laughs> it's, it, he figures, you know, maybe it's how you get into Yale. 
I don't really. I wrote that down before you had come to a conclusion. I don't know anything. Oh yeah, but no one saw it. <laughs> right. <laughs> How did I know that? Is but in a way, is he dumb or is he smart? Like I don't have a great opinion right now in the NFL. I'll go with Fezzik. I'll go with RJ, and I'll fade Scott. Really, is what his code is. And AJ's going. That's. I mean, it's, good it's not. That's smart, not dumb. <laughs> that's not dumb. He should fade me in hockey. And go with Scott or baseball. I don't know. I could do okay in baseball. I used to be my sport. I'd have to ramp back up, though, which is not going to happen. Imagine sitting there in June watching baseball Mm. games. It's tough. I mean, if you do it for fun, but when it's your profession, well, like you watching college basketball. It's it's tough. And how'd you do this year? Not good. (laughs) That that got to really suck. That really chapped my ass. Because you've had, I mean, let's be honest, you've had almost every, I think you've had one losing season in college football, and all the others are winners. Yeah. And that was like a break-even season. Yeah. Then you had one, you know, kind of, you were right around break-even, and then you had a couple games at the end. So one break-even, slight loser in college basketball. The rest have been winners. But boy, that long from what, November, December, January, February, March, and you're watching like Portland State. And like, losing. And, uh, There's nothing worse. Is that why you're not eating and you're losing yes. weight? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got that straight. I've got the first dibs on the Jets when they mm-hmm. come on board. That's only fair. Although McKenzie had a secret place that he had the Jets <laughs> somewhere written down. <sighs> what do you think on this, the, the Saints? I don't really have a strong opinion. Uh, I do think the, the division is so winnable that it, 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 the over makes more sense to me, but 10 games feels like a lot. And like you said, they can win the division and not win 10 games. I mean, it, most, it, I, well, yeah, but nine and a half is over under, so 10 get, at least gets them to win. Yeah. All right, now shifting gears to our crossfire, this one was legitimate. We had a blind right, you know, blind entry. I yeah, mine was already face down on the table. I, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm picking on AJ. This just happened, and it now did. you have to suffer the consequences. I'll give you first uh Handicap. Uh, the Miami. Here's what I love about the Dolphins under here, particularly in the points, action points way that we're doing this. I think the Dolphins' floor is extremely low, and I think their ceiling is probably ten wins. Like I, I think the ceiling or ten wins. Explain that. How many did they win last year? Nine. Okay. And how much was Tua hurt last year? Uh, I missed five games. Okay. So their ceiling's ten. Yep. How could that? So they've gotten worse. They they must have a worse defensive coordinator. No. Uh, but what they did, what they did, what we did see of the Dolphins was mm-hmm. the last four games of Tua mm-hmm. were probably the f- worst four games that he played all season. Okay. Which so you means think I, he's now he's now I think he's damaged limited, goods. He's damaged the rest. So Ronda Rousey's a front runner, yeah. And now Tua is damaged goods. He'll never physically be the same. I think when from you have these concussions, multiple concussions in a year. Mm-hmm. I think that it can have long-term effects. And I think if one more concussion, now I listen, really think when, could be career-ending. Listen, when you here's the thing we got to acknowledge. When you go to medical school, it matters what era you go. So when did you go? I have not gone. Okay. So wh- how do you have these strong opinions about concussions? Because I've, I've – well, first, I've seen documentaries. I've seen enough <laughs> fighters who get – like, it, w- once you get knocked out enough times – you were not the but same knocked fighter. Knocked out is different than having a concussion. Tua was knocked out, like shaking on the field. Do you not remember that? Oh, hold on a second. When you say a couple of times and knocked out, that impl- you're saying there was an instant, it looked like he went unconscious. Yes. And then what else? The, I mean, what I'm saying, the one co- supposed concussion, he didn't even, le- he played the next week. I mean, which again, it's caused a lot of controversy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, first of all, let's get something straight. Concussions are obviously potentially debilitating as people age. Also, 
I've, you know, I think I've had one concussion. I'm not sure. I never went, but I mean, I got, you know, I don't know, actually. I hope I didn't. I, I started acting very differently. It was like Vince Chase when he, remember that? But he started dating, uh, what was it? Uh, Sasha, Sa- Gray. Sasha Gray. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're, let's just say this. Maybe we should say this. See, I've never actually heard Tua was so much worse after. See, that's fresh. So do you have numbers on that? Yeah, his game log for the last four last four games. Now, who did they play to? Uh, they played the Packers, QBR 25. Uh, at Buffalo, QBR 52. Okay, I remember now. Okay, so this would have came after the Chargers had a game with them at some point right around here, right? Yeah, same time, 28.2 for the, against the and Chargers. What, what the thought was is that they, the Staley who is a defensive guy, came up with something that really hurt Dolphins. And if I'm not mistaken, it was about two or three weeks after that that Miami started running the ball more, and all of a sudden they played very well. In fact, they had a game in Buffalo they played very well. And my, I'm just going by memory here. Am I remembering that right? The, 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 at Buffalo, they lost that game, though. Well, yeah, they covered the spread. Yeah. And how did Tua do? Uh, it was one of, his, one of his five worst games of the season. So, so what was the it, 52.9 QBR. So that's one of his five worst, and yep. he's better than average. Sixty-eight point eight was his his yeah. for the season. But what I'm saying, better than fifty by definition is the average. Yeah. So he was better than average. That of against it, the Bills of his last four games, that was the only time he was over thirty. Yeah. So, and then was there any games that the Bills? Pl- oh, I'm sorry, check that. That Miami played after that Chargers game that didn't have two as quarterback. Yes. All right, how did they do that game? I just want to see how much it was the quarterback and how much was it. Because I got no sense of two, anyone, any of the film guys saying two is just throwing the ball worse. Uh, lost to New England, beat the Jets 11-6, to and then lost the playoff game to get against Buffalo. And how many points they put up in that game? Uh, 31. With, without Tua? Yeah. Who was the quarterback? Skylar Thompson. The Bills weren't very good, were they? They weren't very good last year. You they were, they, they were, were overrated great. last year. You thought they were great. I thought they were good. I didn't. I didn't think the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl last year. You know, I often believe that there's one story that can encapsulate a person. You weren't here, Scott. The first year he's here, AJ, Steelers go into uh, Bills' first game of the year, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That it's, year, I thought the Bills. Pittsburgh's were really good. a seven-point underdog. Yeah, I had Pitt, I had uh, I had Buffalo in that game. Steelers win. Did you feel like you were on the right side? Uh, b- before the game, <laughs> Steelers win the game. Yeah. He comes in the next day and goes, "Man, Bills, good game from them. I think they just got unlucky. He somehow converted yeah. a seven-point favorite, lost. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did get six, so at least I got the CLV in that game. <laughs> so, there <you> go. Congrats. <laughs> can you, can you buy anything with that? Mm. Now, Fez would say it was a good bet. So your theory is. We're just giving fast shots. Yeah. That's, that's a game today, right? I'm going to be interested. To, I'm going to listen the next time I miss now. <laughs> All right. So you think it's two is just broken and he can't play good. So the Miami, why, why do you think they're retaining him? Why do you think, I mean, like, do you think the Dolphins know this? Uh, I think they have an idea that he's on his, his last. There's two different conversations. One is what happens if he has one more concussion? And the other one is, is if the, he broken? If the now? Dolphins cut Tua mm-hmm. after all the heat they took for letting him play after he was clearly concussed, I think the Dolphins would have opened themselves up to some serious litigation. Well, first off, when you and say I haven't been to law school, but when you say clearly concussed, well, apparently you're talking <laughs> about litigation. You're talking about the concussions. I mean, it's I, I amazing. I'm not that a lawyer you or a doctor. doctor and a lawyer. It's, it is wild. I mean, <laughs> and you didn't even graduate high school, no, right? No. 
You got a GED. Yeah, man. yeah. No, well, that's not true. But you went into the service when you were 17. I did. I graduated high school at so 17. You, you were like Doogie Hauser graduating. No, early? I, just, I was young for my class. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. It it's like, you know, you ever notice when there's parents that were married for 23 years, but the kid's 24? Uh huh. And then when they start looking at the math, everyone just hushes up and my, moves on. My son's figured that out now. <laughs> <my older one. laughs> it's like, but the gestation period is nine months, right? Yeah, Mom, it's weird. You know, it's weird like, math. <laughs> I was like, they're just not teaching I think you guys right anymore. You and the high school graduations is the same thing. <laughs> but listen, I think if you get the equivalency, it's the same. It's equivalent. Aren't you? Aren't you an August birthday? September, yeah. Okay, but did, like, were you either really young or really old in your class? I was really young. Yeah. What, think, you, could you imagine me at four? Them saying, "Don't." We but didn't you didn't graduate at seventeen. Yeah. Well, yes, I I didn't turn eighteen until September. Okay. I understand. I wouldn't have made some big... I didn't say I went to high State when I was 17. I mean, I was 17 for a couple of weeks. Of I guess I could. I just don't want to lie. What are you, Doogie Hauser or something? <laughs> See? I would, more like Doogie Hauser. But I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That's something to brag about, though. You, you know, I went to Ohio State when I was 17. <laughs> I know. Maybe I missed the boat on that. Because <laughs> I knew that AJ was in the service at 17 before I even knew his last name. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Scott, you follow the media pretty closely. Did AJ, or I'm sorry, have you heard much about Tua's just now not a good quarterback? No. Yeah, so you got a theory here. I do. And the numbers might back it up, though it does seem to run, not contrary, but the same as the whole idea that the head coach finally learned to run the ball, and now this this counter, they're ready for it. Because I think the Bills probably, them putting up as many points as they did against the Bills in the playoffs, that sign that offense was taken. Yeah. Or, uh, and they and listen, the Dolphins out. are considered the front runner to get Dalvin Cook, so the offense could even improve further. Now, what's your thoughts? Because I like, as I said, the over. What's your thoughts on the defense? Pretty good last year, not great, good. And now, though, they got maybe the best defensive coordinator in the game. Yeah, uh, I do. I think their defense is going to be legit. I, I my, most of my bet hedges on Tua's health. Who's got the two best receivers? You say one and two, who's got the two best receivers in the NFL? The Bengals. What? Yeah. Go ahead. Explain that. I mean, Jamar Chase is probably the best. That's just not true. I mean, if you ask a lot, let's just say this. If you ask 20 serious NFL guys, if Chase has more than Hill, I'm surprised. If it's more than 10% of Hill, I'd bet bet you 50,000. Okay. So... I think that it's fair to say some people think Chase is the best. I would say more. I think Jefferson, people would say Jefferson's the best. I think Jefferson, I think it's Jefferson. I think it's Adams. I think it's it's Hill and it's Chase. Those are the four that seem to be, unless I'm missing someone. Cooper Cup? Huh? Cooper Cup? No, they usually they put him in the second mm-hmm. tier, though his season two years ago. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. Um, And I've just listened to two shows, one from The Ringer and one from Athletic, where they rank the receivers. Mm-hmm. So there was extended conversation about it. I'm not saying I have any great insight, but I'm saying from those experts. And those, these are guys that, wa- that, that watch tape. You know, I yeah. really respect the guys that watch tape. Um, but let's call them even. I mean, I think that's consensus. Um, so with the number twos, how would you rank it? I think that you could say the Bengals are the top three receivers, maybe. But go ahead. I mean, I get Jalen Waddle's probably better than T. Higgins. All right. So you're saying you think that uh, Chase is better than Hill to a greater degree? I guess so. But I also can. I'm also. It's hard for me to like judge these receivers without taking into account who's throwing them the football. And like Joe Burrow makes those receivers look better than Tua is going to make his guys look. 
Okay, except Tua, before he got hurt, and again, let's assume you're right about the... And again, the thing about concussions are there might be lingering effects, but sometimes those lingering effects don't linger forever. Sure. They, they, people say it takes three or three uh, months or whatever. You know, again, no one... It doesn't seem like there's any super hard science about what the exact right answer is. Because if there were, it feels like the NFL would have to do that, right? Yeah. Um, you believe that if Tua gets one more concussion that he won't play the rest of that year? I, I think he won't. Will you be rooting for it? No. But almost. Almost. <laughs> if you if he if you could snap your fingers and him have the most mild no, no, no. If you could snap your fingers and he would retire by his own volition. Like Andrew Luck? Like Andrew Luck. But he wouldn't do it like three days before the season started. He'd do it today. Yes. Would you snap your fingers? Yeah. You'd end his career. Yeah. For your little bet. No. Uh, for his own health. You'd be doing him a favor? I'd be doing him a favor. Okay. Protecting him. Sweet. You're a sweet man. I'm a nice guy. He just happens to cash your bet. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Well, that, that segues to an interesting question. Who's the best backup quarterback in the NFL? Hmm. And I might propose Mike White. Oh, I would not. Really? No. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Mike White? You don't think? Because remember now, Mike White... After he got hurt, mm-hmm. played like a game and a half or something, wasn't as good. But in theory, in hindsight, he was hurt. Like they're yeah. saying, they're saying the Jets locker room was blown away by his toughness. Mm-hmm. You heard that too? Yeah, it was really hurt. He, yeah. he got murdered in that one game. And how did Mike White do prior to that injury? 400 yards a game he was throwing for. Yeah. So now I'll propose again who's better as a backup? Andy Dalton. Hmm. And Taylor Heineke. Three, three years ago? Taylor Heineke. You're crazy. Trey Lance. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like all those more, Mike White. Yeah. You saw Minshew play last year, yeah. right? You like that better? Yeah. All right. Well, listen, you got the bat for you. You got a good bat then. I, I, and listen, the Dolphin schedule is not easy. AFC West and NFC East, that's uh, two tough divisions for them to have to play. So... I, I think that, that that over the course of the season, again, I think if Tua gets hurt, he's done. I think even if he doesn't get hurt, I, I think this is a 9 or 10 win team. So if he gets hurt, maybe 6. I think if, if he gets hurt early, I think it could be disaster, yeah. 6. Yeah. All right. I tell you. Do you see a way that they win 12, 13 games? For sure. I think they might be the best team in the league. Wow. Okay. I mean, if Tua plays like he did last year before he got hurt – why aren't they the best team in the league? I mean, let's say let's put Kansas City in their own category because it's hard to judge. Mahomes is so good. I mean, I think if you look at the rest of the roster, what is Kansas City's roster other than Mahomes? Are they even top ten? Uh, especially, no. especially with Kelsey's age, at some point he's going to hit the wall. Might I mean, Chris able- Jones is an elite yeah, at, at tackle. I agree, but I mean the Falcons have it. I mean, what I'm saying is uh, that's what we're saying now. Is is they got you know, an aging tight end and one good D tackle, and, and then what? The O line's pretty good. Right? They spent some money. So what I'm saying is, Mahomes is a different thing, right? He there's no more debate about who's the best quarterback. No. Yeah, and I mean, and even two years ago when it, it looked wrong because Mahomes actually had a slightly down year two years ago, but I said all these quarterbacks, there's only one that I'm sure of. Remember? Yep. And <laughs> and then he followed it up with like the but still, most it was, questionable but in, year. It was still a great season. Yeah, in hindsight, it was pretty darn yeah. good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Mackenzie, do me a favor. Let's let money speak. We, we've been exploring this lately. Maybe we don't need to judge players. We need to look at their contract, and, t- and that will tell you how good they are. Right? The league is pretty good at assigning value. 
give me the uh, list, and I know it will take a minute, of the highest paid backup quarterbacks. Got it. I'm interested to see where White fits into that. I think White's a good backup, one of the best, if not the best. I think that... Uh, Didn't Sam Donald get money, though? Sam Donald got a bunch of money. Well, right? that was Carolina's stupidity. But you're right. In yeah. general, you can't look at the contract number. But remember, here's the thing, too. Apparently, and I'm not saying this is a joke, apparently there's real serious thought that even if... Um, Oh, geez. Purdy. Purdy. Yeah, you knew what I was talking about. Uh, that Sam Darnold might be the starter. So, I mean, I don't think that's likely, but the, there seems to be a love affair going on. Hey, he's got he's got a short five or so game history with Christian McCaffrey. Oh, <laughs> the two of them together. Yeah. But, yeah. But, I mean, Kyle also is so good, I think, at the play calling stuff that he almost, it's almost like why, if you notice, I picked another over. Mm-hmm. As I told Fezzik, I'm picking four overs. Because he's so nitty, and 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 that I just want to, I want to buck, I want to buck that like mm-hmm. closed mindedness. So I'm just going four overs, maybe. Except if I do the Steelers, it can't be over. We'll see. <laughs> maybe I'll make out a bonus pick or something. All right, you any progress, McKenzie? Uh, Trey Lance, if he's a backup, is the highest paid backup at nine point five million. Well, he's the highest paid third stringer. Exactly. What's yeah. Jameis making? Well, let's let's just hear the list. Okay. I'm just crossing out the non-starters. All right. So let me tell a quick little story and aside. Every week, I think one of us should do a doing. You know, this is now the slow season in a way. Though, as you see, oh, is <laughs> I'm going to talk about the way I wish life was. All right. But it's all like a Mayberry us, thing. Yeah. No, not necessarily. Like nickel some people, hamburgers? Some and... people would say Mayberry didn't have diversity or whatever. Okay. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go back in time. I'm saying the way I wish human nature was. Okay. Or the physical laws of the universe. Because that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to be mad at right now. Mary and I had lunch yesterday. We had the best pizza I, I've had since i come to Vegas. What was it? I can't remember. She ordered it. We need to know this. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's but what a terrible this, story this is starting I mean, out I don't as. care about the rest of the story. <laughs> I know. It was delicious. And she always makes fun of me for I like multiple meats. I like like I want deal. more than one animal yeah. to have died. I don't wish they died. I just know I want to eat it. Right? And I didn't kill them. So it's, it's not like I'm hunting or something, which, again, there's nothing wrong with hunting. Some would say hunting helps the animals because of overpopulation That's of right. deer, for example. Yeah. My dad used to say that. He never brought home a deer, though. He, he must have been killing them or something. Because <laughs> you think he'd get one deer in like 30 years of hunting. Never no. Did. You, you want to hear a funny story. He never got a deer, and he shot his dad. What? It was like a Dick Cheney kind of thing. Like the deer was running, and, and he went to shoot, and he, he knew it. He goes, I think it, was a, it wasn't exactly a safe shot, he goes, but I think it was borderline. And he had such a good shot at the deer. Maybe it wasn't deer, because you don't use buckshot for deer, do you? No. So, yeah, it was buckshot. So it was something else. Got him right in the leg. It was like oh, Dick Cheney. <laughs> so he, wanted, he was trying. Let's just say that. Jeez. <laughs> Never got one. It was. It became a running joke for a long time. You think he'd just buy one from someone at some point? And just come home and say, "Got one, baby." A, and then it's like, "Why is there a price tag on this venison?" You know, it'd, yeah, <laughs> it's a seven bucks a pound. Anyway, the laws of the universe. We ate that pizza. One o'clock, let's say, but there was like four, three, four pieces left. I'm not great putting things in the fridge, right? I figure a couple hours. It's not going to be a big deal. Well, it was midnight. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, so like 11 hours later. And I looked at it, and it was still sitting there. But it was, it was you know, in box the... Box was closed? Box was closed. Okay. I'm thinking, there's a lot of meat on there. Because meat's going to have more bacteria, you yeah. know, right? But I go, that's good pizza. So I ate them. Did you warm it up in the microwave? Nah. Oh. Let's just the microwave t- might have killed some of that stuff. Yeah. Let's just say today... Is that why you were late? Today, it was a, 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 I was feeling a little churny. Let's just call it like that. And here's where I'm going to lament. If something's that good, it should be slightly different rules for it. Like the, somehow the universe should know amoebas or whatever. Don't go there because it's so good. That's but, why the universe gave us refrigeration. No, 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 no. I'm saying, yeah, if everything were done perfectly, yeah, that'd be nice. But let's say that it was refrigerated. Well, what? In four days, it'd be bad, right? Or five days. Well, then it shouldn't be bad if it's that good. If it's that good, you shouldn't wait five days to eat it. You shouldn't have waited 11 hours. Scott, I I feel bad for you. I mean, because somehow I feel like he's he's acting like the co-host now. I because I just turn this way always. I'm gonna have to try to go turn my mic off. (laughs) I'm just trying by process of elimination to figure out where you ordered the pizza from. So I'm starting, you know, a little radius. I'll 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 tease it for next week. (laughs) I know that you, you know, AJ. I'm gonna turn back to you. I know you don't. You're not in touch with your feelings. Mm -hmm. I understand that part. Do you ever try to ra- do you ever want to rail against the 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 world being so heartless the the universe not the world the, the universe it doesn't matter if mother teresa if if that little cancer cell starts up she's got her gonna, got her doesn't matter doesn't matter if like uh, Ted Kaczynski just died at the ripe old age of like 82 Did or he really yeah i didn't know that yeah today Ten days ago, I oh. follow the news. I'm sorry. <laughs> Read a book, man. <laughs> Keep current. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a great line in the movie Family Business, which people don't ever talk about now. It had uh, the dude. I always forget his name. The dude that that was in um, James Bond. He was the 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 big tall guy. What was his name? He was in the movie. Uh, he was like the lurch was, type he was character. James Bond. He was James Bond. Pierce Brosnan? Sean Connery? Yes. <laughs> Sean Connery. Thank you. Sean Connery's in it. Dustin Hoffman's in it. And Matthew, Matthew Broderick. And they're three generations of the same family. And they do like a, a, a break-in. And, but, but Matthew, the, the young kid, is like a PhD student. But his dad, you know, Connery, or his grandfather, um, is like a criminal that went to jail. So... That uh, Hoffman's trying to be like, I want my son to live a great life. He doesn't. He's not going to be like our criminal yeah, yeah. enterprise. And he draw he draws him into something. And let's just say things don't go well. So, three days ago, hung himself. That's what they found out. No, it was more than three days ago. Wasn't no, it? June tenth. No, hmm. today's the thirteenth. Oh, so you weren't really behind. You would have caught it today. I'm no, sure. I wouldn't have. I, I like I, had, I hadn't heard anything of it. But yeah, they, they uh, announced today that it was suicide. So. You read the Sunday New York Times, don't you? I do not. What? Yeah, you know, guys, me, yeah. guys. I'm an uneducated <laughs> guy, RJ. I'm a, I'm a fool. You know this. Why do you keep me around for? Fool. The um, no, you just know what you know. I know what I know. Portland State. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, New York Times. I actually happen to see. I don't read it cover to cover, but um, the. Uh, I actually had, I subscribed to it like five, seven years ago, and I would try hard to read most of the Sunday, but then I'd put the sections I didn't read, and 
and the pow that I was yeah. behind started getting so tall, it depressed me. So I can't. Digital copy. Yeah, but I'm on a screen. I love I love anything physical because I'm on a screen so much. I like to read. I, you know, like I I never read on the Kindle. I like to read books. Maybe I'm old school. I don't know. Though it is kind of crazy if I go somewhere for like a while. I used to bring like three books, and now you could just bring that little Kindle instead of like 1,500 pages. So I guess there's advantages. Yeah. But why did I bring up Sean Connery? What was that about? We were talking about something that reminded you of the movie Family Business. I know, but what was what was what kind of crazy thing was AJ saying before that about going to jail? Was it anything about jail, or was it about criminals? There was a prostitute in there. What were you talking about? I don't know. I think you were talking about me sucking the joy out of things or something. That's it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Is at one point the the, the caper they do is about some like bio advanced biology thing. And they go, how much you, and so there's an Asian guy that's setting up the deal. He goes, how much do you know about gene splicing? And uh, Dustin Hoffman goes, not much. And Connery goes, keep current, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> His name, <laughs> keep current. It was great. <laughs> Actually, what he said was, Hoffman said, I've read a few magazine articles. He goes, keep current, Vito. <laughs> he bullied him back. And the funny thing was, <laughs> The, the funny part was Dustin Hoffman's like 5'5", five, five, and Connery's like 6'3". Yeah. So he's like picking on him the whole time. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. No one's seen it? No. Never heard of it, yeah. It, it was big in the... I think there was one of those deals where there was licensing issues. Mm. So it wasn't on it wasn't on streaming for a long time, I think. But uh, I love that movie. Um, the end, sad. Okay. All right, so what now? What are we talking about? You, that story was to kill time for oh, McKenzie to get the backup quarterback list. Said, not kill yes. time. It, it, that I was going to tell that story about my lament. Okay, regardless. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you guys want to do cap hit or total cash? Whatever you think is most telling. All right. Uh, let's do total cash. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> we know that cash gets manipulated, right? Let's do cap hit. Yeah, let's do cap hit. All right, uh, Mike White is though. Let's see, one, two, three. The eleventh highest paid to backup quarterback. All right, so Tyrod Taylor is number two behind Trey Lance. Well, again, third string. Trubisky, boy, Pittsburgh's paying Trubisky too much. Well, they thought he was going to be the starter. Remember? They didn't. I mean, they thought maybe, but the, they sat him really quick. Heineke, wow, Sam Darnold. But see, that's probably an old contract. Oh, was that a new contract? It was a new contract. My God, did the 49ers get took there? And Sam Darnold we takes everybody. We have one of the lowest paid QB rooms in the in the in the in the out of the 32 teams. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean just because you won 300 dollars playing blackjack doesn't mean you have to like buy like a 60 dollars shirt of Jerry Seinfeld if you go to the show that night, right? I mean, you wouldn't think so, but no. for, I might. Uh, Winston, see, I'm going to make the case Colt McCoy is a starter this year. I mean, Trubisky was signed as a starter as well. Yeah, maybe. I, that, that one's close. The Tyrod Taylor gets a lot of respect. When's he play, When's the last time he played well? He was playing horribly with Houston. He played well with For Buffalo. one game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when they made the playoffs like yep. seven years ago. Yeah. Case Keenum is dropped. Well, that's interesting. Huntley. Huntley made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Andy, Andy Dalton is, is, is down there at 2.1 million AJ you would have snapped him up he's a value he was 10 million when he was with the Bears so I mean he's really dropped off so I would make the case we know he's better than Trey Lance 
Trubisky, I, you could see Trubisky. Listen, when you're pedigreed like that, people believe in you a long time because you got the physical skills. Heineke, eh. I mean, Heineke probably had, if we went over under yards passing this year, Heineke or the second year guy, who, who's, ta- who's taking Heineke? I don't think Heineke plays. Well, see, that's the thing. I think that this whole thing, why do you have such an expensive backup if you're so sure about your third stringer or whatever? Right? I mean, I don't know. It just does feel like the teams that are shaky at number one usually get robust at number two, right? I'd, I'd take Heineke plus 110. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, what I'm saying is it does feel like that these contracts were signed. I mean, Mike White was the clear backup, but still, they got a good deal on Mike White. I can't believe the Jets didn't want Mike White for $2.7 million. Well, to be, I mean, then what are you going to do with Zach Wilson? Whatever. (laughs) Still paying him. Remember, you got three quarterbacks now because of the way that's going. That Purdy rule now. So you need three. The Jets' third quarterback is Tim Boyle. I mean, let's be honest. Do you really? I mean, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt sometimes. Mm-hmm. You do you really want Wilson as your backup? No. When you have Super Bowl ambition, Mike White played. I think Mike White played four games last year. He won the first one dominant fashion. Well, let's mm-hmm. be clear. After he got hurt, was he was physically unable to perform? He was just so gutsy. So let's talk about the games before that. Okay. Uh, well, he only played four. Of them. Okay. Yeah. So. The first game was against the Chicago Bears, worst defense in the league. Oh, okay, yeah. They won 31-10. to 10. He had three touchdowns, he's no picks in, in that game. He's sitting in Fezzik's seat. Now, remember, the, <laughs> the, the Bears beat, I think right around that time, they beat the Patriots really bad on Monday Night Football. Okay. So beating any NFL team takes something. Sure. I mean, who'd the Bills lose to two years ago? Like a bunch of field goals in the game? It was like 15-12 or oh, something? that game? Jacksonville, it was It was Jacksonville, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Uh, they lost to the Vikings. And his QBR was 21.4. That was the next game? That was the next game. Mm -hmm. They lost to the Bills. You know, I should have never taught him QBR. Because now he never looked at QBR if his life depended on Now it's like gospel. It's like God came down from the hill. QBR always looked at DVOA as the one that you taught me that I use a lot. Uh, Buffalo, 54.5 QBR. Another loss. First off, do you really think that, you know, quarter wins are not a quarterback stat? Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah. So why are you leading? Okay, how about this? He didn't throw another touchdown after they played the Bears. Okay, so how many, but when, how many of these games were after his injury? One. Okay. And then the other, how many other games? So you're saying he played four. He played four games. So he against the Bears. So one game he didn't throw a touchdown. He threw three in the Bears game. Okay, and then in one game he didn't before he got injured. Because two Bears, games. So you're saying after his first game he didn't have a touchdown. After his first game he didn't have a touchdown. It's how did they score points? I, I don't know. I, I mean, how many points did they have in these uh, games? Twenty-two, twelve, and six. Uh, I tell you, my my. Observations were a lot better. How about yours, Scott? Well, in 2021, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he had a decent run yeah. where, you know. Maybe that's some of what's lingering for Where him. he, remember, he beat the Bengals that 34 31 game where he threw 405 yards. And then, uh, you know, he played small portion of the game against Indy. And then he played against Buffalo, 251 passing yards and a loss. I tell yeah. you, I, I, maybe I'm being a little bit. Affected by that Randy Mueller, who's a GM now, who's now yeah. writing full time for the Athletic, and he's getting in a lot more. It seems like he's more conversations. He's involved, or at least people are referencing him. Um, he said Mike White. Now he's a guy that was a talent evaluator in the NFL for like twenty five years. He was a GM with the, I think, with the Saints, but multiple times he's been a GM more than once. Okay, so this guy is pedigree. Sure, 
he's in his, I think, early 60s. So he's maybe, you know, a little past it in that regard. Though he was the GM of the Seattle team in the XFL this year. Uh, the Sea Dragons. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're the ones that started out with a bunch of turnovers and everything. Uh. And um, he said Mike White, to him, can be an NFL starting quarterback. Like These guys can watch, and in theory, they, can, they can't tell you who will be, but they can tell you who can't. There's certain quarterbacks that just don't have the physical skills to be a starter. They can come in for a half a game or whatever. He says that Mike White's not limited. He could be a starting quarterback if the rest of it came together. That stuck with me. I, you know, like Scott said, in the years past, I am not sure that Mike White in the right situation, because let's be honest, the Jets don't have a great coaching staff on offense, as mm-hmm. far as I can see, is I'm a, an optimist on Mike White. Though Mike, I can see that. But let me ask you this. If you really thought Tua was one concussion away from being put on the shelf for the whole year, yep. don't you go for the best backup you can get? Yes. And the fact they went for a guy that was $2.7 million, does that tell you one of two things? They believe he's the best backup, no matter the price? Or they have a lot of faith. You can have faith, too, it won't get concussed, but they got a plan that if he gets concussed, he takes the normal rest and he's ready to go. How many of these guys were available this offseason, though? I mean, backups are usually available. And if you want to trade, or there's not many teams that won't take a— if you give a fifth-round pick, you're getting pretty much any backup you want. Unless he's being, like— Trey Lance, I mean, they were trying to shop him hard this offseason by all accounts. Mm. No no takers. Because you think about it, that's a lot of money to pay Yeah, for a third-string quarterback. <laughs> uh, looks like of the guys available this offseason, it was Taylor Heineke was available. And you um, think he's great. Well, I, th- I think he's better than Mike White. And so what does it say the Dolphins said no thank you to Heineke? Yeah, it says they believe in uh, Tua. And, let's, and let's, let's agree to the following final point is if you're a backup that wants a chance to start, don't you go to Miami? Sure. The theory yeah. is he's, no, he's, yeah. he's, he's there's a good chance he doesn't finish the year. For sure. I think, here's what I know. Shanahan is a very intelligent coach. And I always forget his name. Will, what's his name, the Miami guy? Mike, Mike McDaniel. McDaniel. McDaniel was considered the, 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 the smart guy. Now, mm-hmm. imagine Kyle is in the room and we're talking football, and it's like, yeah, ask the smart guy. Yeah. All right. So, right there, and, and we've talked about this once, Mackenzie. That, I mean, in general, there was a lot of appreciation for his mind, right? No doubt. And, and again, this is with me saying it's unequivocal that Kyle's, you know, one of the brighter coaches, it seems. So, and again, you got some smart people. I mean, listen, they're making so much money now. You got smart people, NFL coaches generally. Um, I feel like he learned a lesson. And I think it was a meaning with the passing so much, they had to have a run game. Then I also think bringing in um, a senior, you know, I, I, I go back to the Rams and when Wade Phillips was the DC. And the boy genius comes in, as, as he was called, or I guess still is to some degree. And they said, defense, that's yours. I'm the head coach of the offense. But then a couple years goes by, and he gets a handle on things. Then it's time for Wade to go off into the sunset. Yeah. I think that's smart. Man, when things are coming at you fast, you're in a new role. If your responsibilities are spread thin, you got no chance. But if you can focus, you got a chance. I don't think that, that, that Miami did that last year, and I think it hurt them. 
and now you've got a senior guy taking over the defense, you can let him focus on the offense. I, I think it's a really good hire. I think it's. I don't, I don't think you could have done a better job hiring because Boyer clearly stunk last. The defense just stunk in general last year, and it was obvious that. McDaniel's not involved in that. And he said, I need to bring someone in who can mm-hmm. take this off my plate. And so I think make, smart. You make an interesting point. You either got to spread yourself too thin or you neglect something that needs attention. Yeah. It's one or the other. Yep. And not everybody can be Bill Belichick and have your hands on every part of the yeah, game. Or no one's Bill Belichick. But yeah, I mean, you're right. And and again, Tomlin's not coaching the offense, but he knows enough to know what question. Yep. I mean, as someone who's had direct reports and and you know, have some managerial experience. Is you don't have to be able to do the job as well as them. You have to know what questions to ask. Yep. And and to me, Belichick had first of all, Belichick could coach any position in the top five percent of the league. No, I have zero doubt of that. But you don't have to be that to be a, a Tomlin, let's say, that knows the offense well enough to ask the right. You know, why aren't we doing this? Sure. You know. Um, last question. What's my? We've been talking about quarterbacks. It seems like Miami with Tua is an interesting question. What was their record last year with Tua? Uh, let me pull it up. Because my thinking it was mighty good. Yep. Because Tua was an MVP candidate. Eight and five. Eight and five. What was the losses? Uh, Green Bay, Buffalo. Oh, slow down, slow down. Green Bay. My. What was the score of that game? Twenty six twenty. I don't remember that game. Late season, Christmas Day, in fact. It was Christmas Day, and Tua played the whole game? Uh, that's the game Tua got knocked out of. So that, that wouldn't count, would it? Uh, I mean, he, he threw the majority of the passes in that game. He and played what, the majority and, of the game. And what, That's interesting. But if I recall now, wasn't this a huge fourth-quarter comeback by Green Bay? Uh, it was 20 to 20 going into the fourth. Green Bay scored the last six points. Okay, so tw- well, who scored the, the points before 2020? Uh, it was 20 to 10 uh, Miami at halftime. So I'm exactly correct. Yeah. Okay, so thanks for saying no to what was exactly right. Well, I, I did. I mean, I was just looking at the. No, the you yeah, said the, something that you th- was misleading that you thought contradicted my point. They had a 2013 lead at halftime, but my, uh, Green Bay scored the last 16 points of the game. You're right. All right, so and Tua wasn't in the fourth quarter when it was tied going in. Seems kind of important. Okay, what you said. So let's eliminate that. Eight one. and three in games that he started and finished. <sighs> That's pretty good. Yeah, and so, his what? And all of his numbers were. Tops of the league. Yeah. yeah. So if two, let's agree to this. If Tua plays most of the games, this is almost a lock to the over. You only have one out. I agree with you. You, you, you this is very macabre. You're only out is someone's injury. Yeah. And you're ha- comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. All right. Next up. <laughs> well, he wants him to get hurt for his own good sake. Oh, that's a good no. Point. I don't want him to get hurt. I want him to retire today. <laughs> Imagine the guy dreamt his whole life to be an NFL, and he was. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what happens, Scott. A little lesson when you have a kid is when they hold their emotions so in, mm. they, they start to feel foreign to emotion. They and they start being angry at people with emotions. Who cares about two is emotion, <laughs> right? All right, is that cover the NFL? Yeah, that covers it. Our guest, I forget what's your name, Gary. Gary. I got it. I won't. I only have to hear it three more times. I'll have it for sure. Uh, do you have any question? Get the question. Tell AJ any question from the whole NFL conversation. If you were listening at home, what would you say? Would you say, "Boy, RJ was funny," or "Boy, AJ is heartless"? Like, or do you, would you want us to clarify? You got your question. Well, I mean, I think you did a great job on these two teams. I, I think I'd love to hear. A little dig at McKenzie's crew and see where we where we think of the Niners. Okay, so it's a check in. That's a great question. 
I might need him listening you live. You do that almost yeah. every week. And he's probably wondering, when's that going to happen? <laughs> Mackenzie, how are you feeling about Trey Lance? That's like a standard question on the pod. It's it's joyful. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt bad for him for the first time. He's struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, just personally. And, and I Mackenzie heard, or Trey Lance? Both. Okay. I, I, I heard Lombardi talking about Trey Lance. The footage came out of this new quarterback coach. And he went on for like 12 minutes. On It was impossible for Trey Lance to ever be even an average NFL quarterback after watching this tape. He said his feet were all misaligned, and he, the throws were inevitably going to be off. He only saw like, I think, 30 seconds of it. said the guy can never be a good NFL quarterback. And I started thinking, you know what? He's probably right. And I thought, that's going to be hard for McKenzie. So my thinking was not drill him on it. But Gary... Said we had to. So, Mackenzie, thoughts? Well, that was an infamous clip on San Francisco 49ers Twitter where he throws about 30 feet above his head. And I thought David Lombardi of The Athletic made the right point. So, another Lombardi. Yeah, another Lombardi, different Lombardi, different opinion. He's doing that drill, and he's making it as hard as possible because that's the difficulty, not the long ball over the middle, but the short, quick reaction throw. So, if Mahomes was doing that drill, we'd see the same kind of throw. No, but it's... The, court, the, the coaches, and they talked about this, I'm not, I'm not uh, speculating, mm-hmm. they're not even looking at where the ball goes. They're seeing if you make the mistake or not. That's with your for their feet. own sanity. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one bad throw. And I said this when Jimmy Garoppolo threw seven interceptions in a row in a practice the year we made the Super Bowl. Good. Make it hard. Make it really hard. Make him struggle so that he can do better in the regular season. One question, because I, I have to now let logic step in. Um, this isn't me saying this. This is logic. So don't blame me. Doesn't this belie, the very act of going to this throwing coach, doesn't it belie, doesn't it show to be contradictory to all of the party line that's been coming out since he even had his first OTAs? This all that is going great, everything's great, we're just making sure he's, you know, whatever crap was coming out. When you bring in, like if they came in and said, RJ, um, uh, if Fox would have said in year four, uh, listen, we were feeling great about the way you're doing but we have a, a, a consultant coming in, and he's going to teach you how to talk. I, at some point, I would say, hmm, maybe I'm not talking so good now. It definitely changes the narrative. And it's my understanding that it wasn't the 49ers saying, you should get a new quarterbacks coach. It was Trey Lance saying, uh, I love you, John Beck. I know you're Shanahan's guy. I know I've been working with you for four years. I want to try something different. And that also but, but speaks the, to— But here's the thing. Not getting a new coach, I'm not saying— First of all, it's going to be his trainer or whatever. It's not a—in theory, it's a consultant. or It's not on the team, right? Right. But by saying what we need— Like, uh, Tiger Woods, every year, would try to add something to his game, right? Maybe I'm going to—because I actually—I told this story one time. Uh, I know a guy who was at Kansas State— Or I know of a guy, my best buddy was friends with him, that— Worked with Tiger Woods for about 30 sessions because he was known as the best like guy for in swimming pools, how to do a certain something. I don't know. It was a very niche thing. And Tiger Woods did that with the guy for like 30 sessions. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, flew him in. It was, you know, yeah. put him up at the nice hotel. Um, I get the idea of specializing and trying to get your way. But if if they say, all right, Trey Lance, we need this year's coach. What should we focus on? And they say throwing the ball. <laughs> I mean, that is disturbing in itself, wouldn't you say? Glad we got Brock Purdy. <laughs> That's the biggest concession we've gotten from him. I mean, he has sort of switched his loyalty He's now to Brock stupid. Purdy. He's not stupid. I think it's a smart move. Brock yeah. Purdy's their starter. Yeah. Or Sam Darnold. Or Sam Darnold. How, how, I actually had a, th- a fearful thought recently. 
if Sam Darnold beats me on that Seattle bet and he's the one to do it, so many people are going to get so much joy from that. Think about it. He starts with the 49ers. 49ers win the division, beating Seattle like the last week of the season or something. My bet goes down in flames. Sam Darnold was riding high. Oh. I'd rather him retire than that, AJ, just like you. <laughs> he has a dream. <laughs> he has a dream. His dream's dead. <laughs> Let's move on to the NBA. Okay, by the way, I got an announcement as we're shifting gears here. Starting next week, not this week, not last week, but next week, we are going to be splitting the shows up into probably two, so they're more consumable. So let's say, hey, I want to hear some long dissertation on why the Fonz wasn't as cool as he seemed, which we just did off air just now. And possibly even a virgin. And, and Gary, that I mean, I was asking. Oh. Gary, you can just shout it. How great was it, the Fonz stuff? Fabulous conversation. Exactly. And you know what? You guys are not going to hear it because we only have one episode this week. And we, how could we do that? Like, we limit that to at least four hours. Four hours or less. Is that how long? They, I don't even look how long they are. We've gone over four hours. So not four it. hours or less. I love it. But here's the thing. I want to have all of that, but I want it to be where it's easier to pick and choose. So what we're going to do is, for example, maybe we would have had an hour on the NBA, an hour on the NFL. And if they're... Top or if they're topical and it's like, oh, you don't want to wait, we'll release them like one, then a couple hours later, the next one. So by the time you wake up, it's going to be all the same. But just know to look back to the, to the show prior and subscribe. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. AJ will not screw that up again, right? You promise. I promise. All right. So that then subscribing is worth it. Now, what's the upside of this? Well, it makes it more consumable. And plus, it's better for us because the play count goes up, which apparently AJ's out trying to monetize. Listen, I only care about the art of this, and I care about you guys. <laughs> I don't think you hired me to do art. No, I agree. No, obviously not. <laughs> You'd be long gone. <laughs> but- I, I walked into that. That's all right. Yeah. I walked into that like Fez walked into the glass door last week. That was hilarious. That was great. Uh, he was different after that, he too. He was. I think he was concussed. I think that's why he's out this week. He's like Tua. <laughs> you're, you're hoping he never comes back. Maybe, maybe he's getting like the Rocky test right now. Like, do you see a red light? Anyway, just check. We're going to split this up more, and you missed something on the phone. I might put, you know something? If it gets slow enough in July, I'll put that up. Make sure to have Sleepy take that aside. We taped it accidentally. Have him set that aside for potential release. Got it. But if you're not subscribed, I won't even tell you it's out there. So subscribe now. Okay, NBA. Denver's a champion. Obviously, if Philly would have made it with Embiid, they would have won because of the MVP. But, I mean, I got to say, Denver, where do they fit? Let's say since Golden State's era of dominance. So not counting Golden State, meaning last year's team is a viable team to compare them to. Not the Durant stuff. Post-KD. That's a great way to say it. Post-KD, including that finals against Toronto. Meaning if that was that team. I'm not sure Denver's not the best team we've seen in what's that been now, five years? I mean, Milwaukee certainly wasn't better, I don't think. I don't think that Golden State was better. I mean, listen, Boston could have easily won that series last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, give them credit. That was a great win for Golden State. But I, I got Denver in that matchup. And Lakers in the bubble? I mean, listen, AD was shooting the lights out. That's the one I might think a little. I think they beat Toronto. I mean, this is an elite team. 
Any thoughts? Mackenzie, why don't you lead off? I think it's all about the playoffs, and I think we got to set it aside more and more. Because you talk about that Bucks team that I don't think was particularly great for a champion team. Well, two years prior, if you're looking at their stats, you'd be like, this was one of the greatest teams ever, 10 points a game. The Nuggets did what they have to do in the regular season. So just to be clear, when you say 10 points a game, you mean that they're differential? I mean, they say what we're talking about. So points per game over your opponent is probably the best one stat to say how great a team is historically. If you look at the highest ever, it's Jordan. It's the Lakers in the 70s and Lakers with Kobe and Shaq. So just to be clear, is this per 100 possessions? Is this efficiency? Is this net efficiency? I mean, I'm just speaking in general. If you do net efficiency or scoring margin, it's going to be these are going to be the teams that are mentioned. But by definition, the net efficiency is, is per a 100 fa- possessions is a fair measure because if you're higher paced team and you're better, you're going to run up scores. So the efficiency numbers are more telling, wouldn't you say? 100. percent All right. So what you're making the point of is what we talked about on Fox a lot at that era, which was if you look at the net efficiency of Milwaukee over that two year period. There had been no team in like in the history of the NBA that was that good that hadn't won a title or some variation of that, and then they ended up win one. They won one the next year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But that team wasn't as good by all accounts. Yes. So, what is your sense of how do you split out the regular season from the postseason? I think that that team wasn't as good in the regular season, and they ended up winning the championship. I think that proves that the fact that they weren't as good in the regular season didn't necessarily mean they had lost some lost a step. I think the Nuggets were looking at the opposite scenario, where they they were good and they kind of tailed off at the regular in the end of the regular season, but they were decent efficiency wise. But in the playoffs, wait, 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 they were plus three and a half points, right? Uh, plus two and a half, I think. Or yeah, well, plus three and a half. Plus three and a half. Okay, so plus three and a half points, and it's some seasons will be six or seven. In fact, this year it was not, it was like behind Boston, right? It was behind. I think it was behind three or four teams from the East, weren't they? Yes, behind Milwaukee. Uh, I'm pulling it up now, but yeah. it wasn't a top five number, yeah. Yeah, so if you're not a top five team and you win the title, or right in the top five area and you win the title, historically that's unusual. Now, is it different the fact that they were number one in the West? You know, I, I don't know, because you don't have to be better than the best, though there is home court between the conferences, but go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think. McKenzie's saying the playoffs and versus regular season because I think certainly this Nuggets team, when you factor it all in, is up there with the Lakers as the best. I still think that Warriors team last year in the playoffs, like that, if that had been the team all season long, who knows what they would have been. But they just had the perfect storm of everyone being healthy at the same time, and they were dominant in the playoffs. That's just not true. I mean, the Boston series was a nip and tuck series. I mean, Bill Simmons just talked about this last night or Sunday night. He said, and we're taping here on Tuesday in Las Vegas, is he said, if Curry doesn't get hot on the road, that would be... So who had home court last year? I can't remember. It was, the Warriors it, did. Yeah. And it, so that would have been what? It was game six, was it? Or, or game... game four was the turnaround game. Okay. Celtics won two of the first three. Yep. Uh, and in game four, at halftime, like Boston was still up, right? And then yeah. Curry gets hot in the set. Okay. That, I mean, listen, that's why Curry's going to go down as a top 10 player probably of all time. That kind of thing. But in general, that series... I mean, if Boston wins that game... All of a sudden, they're up 3-1, right? Yeah. I mean, what? so you, when you're up at halftime, and if you win, you're up 3-1, it's hard to say that was a dominant finals. It was a nice win. They won four games by double digits. Okay, but I got to be and, and by the way, they weren't playing the eight seed from the Eastern Conference. Okay, but what I'm saying is Boston hasn't proven to be, like this year, they get beat before the finals, so it's not like this team. But do you think this Heat team is better than last year's Celtics team? No. 
But we're not. But we're, but obviously Denver dispatched Miami like it was a first round in hindsight, yeah. right? So my question is, watching the game, what or looking at the stat. So Mackenzie, if I said, I think what AJ's saying is foolish, <laughs> ignorant. Let's say I, I'm saying if I said that, if if. What numbers would you, if you wanted to back me, or not wanted anything, but wanted to quantify, what would you look at? I'd look at the Warriors' path last year. I feel no, like no, that feels very, very yeah. unempirical. What I feel is very subjective. I'm saying, what numbers do you trust? Like, I'd, I'd look we, at the we, net rating of the Warriors in the regular season and playoffs last year. But we're just saying the regular season's disconnected at this point. I would start with the playoffs. All right, so what, let's look at that. Because I'm just trying to say, like, we can sit and talk opinion till we're blue. We have to have a heuristic. You see that, Gary? Heuristic? I don't even yeah. know what that is. <laughs> in which that we can measure things in a systemic way. And, and we might now tweaking the heuristic is part of the art of it, right? But you got to decide on something being the measure, right? And I mean, I trust McKenzie on this stuff. He doesn't get promoted all the time as much as he might like, but it's a <laughs> nefarious stuff, but um, he knows his NBA. Alright, so what are we saying, McKenzie? Warriors last year in the playoffs were plus 5.5, three and a half points worse than this year's Nuggets team were plus 9.2 in the playoffs. Alright, and again, now, does this account for competition? No. Alright, but here's the question. It seems like Phoenix certainly was a tough second-round matchup. I would say Minnesota was a tough first-round matchup myself, mm -hmm. but and now the question is, what's the Lakers? The Lakers, a team that just, you know, beat Golden State. Beat, I mean, it seems hard to. I don't think the Lakers would be a tough conference final, but I think it's not an easy one. I think an average conference final opponent. And you'd have to say Miami would be a little less than, uh, well, more than. Well, see, that's the question, right? But Miami certainly was a below-average finals competition. Yeah. So I'd have to say that Denver's path would have been about average. You know, that's interesting. Could we look at, you know, it's the old um, strength of schedule argument, so we could look at how good their opponents are by this same metric, right? But we'd want to move the Denver stuff out of it. Yeah. Okay, and move the Golden State stuff out of it. All right. We won't do that. Last year, Denver played Golden State in the first round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with Murray not playing. Yeah. yeah. For the past three years, Denver has lost to the eventual Western Conference champion in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, so they that lost in the finals in the bubble, right? They lost in the they lost to the Lakers in the conference finals in the bubble. They lost to the Suns in the second round in twenty one. They lost to the Warriors last year. So and Murray missed. Did he miss two seasons? Yeah, How? he missed the last two mm -hmm. playoffs before yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost so he got hurt late. So. So yeah. it's like with Murray, they lose in the conference finals in the bubble to the eventual ch champions, and then healthy Murray, NBA title. Now, I got to say, I thought I was going – you ever stop and think, am I going crazy? Like you look and see something, and then you think, is could that be true? Like sometimes there's a sense that maybe reality is distorting itself. Mm -hmm. Always. <laughs> Pretty much perpetually. <laughs> I heard Bill Simmons on this show talking about how everyone knew all along – the Joker's the best player in the NBA. And it was like, I almost want to make a, like, they're arguing against themselves tape that people do with Colin or whatever, where mm -hmm. at one point they're saying, no way should they be able to build that stadium. And the next day, no way they shouldn't be able to build this. And again, things change. The excuse is always going to be from people who do flip-flop is, well, as new data emerges. I think there's some truth to that. I think people are too aggressive on their initial takes because it gets attention. And then when it's wrong, they want to flip back. But uh, this was absurd. I'm assuming you heard this. 
McKenzie? Yeah, he mentions it every show now. Oh, wow. Jokic is the best player in the world. I think we can all admit. We can all admit, guys, right? We can admit it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I swear to God, if you listen to that first show after this hubbub started from Perkins, they went the entire show without saying one good word about Joker. Not a single... Well, you know, center's a defensive position. It's important. <laughs> I mean, and you were skeptical. You, th- I At the time, you were a skeptic of not even who's... I'm not even saying I think Joker's better than Embiid, but it's not even about that. It was about the obvious external influences of the opinions. Because to me, if you hear me, you know, this brings up another point. There's guys, or a guy, and I'm not even going to make it about any. If you know who I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, you, you don't know. It doesn't matter. Figure it out. No, it's, it's, it's not <laughs> even about that. I'm just saying I'm not trying to make it about this guy, but it's a great example. Is a guy who the rumor is that he has some dealings with the teams themselves. He does some analytic stuff, and it's like the teams contract him to give them some proprietary numbers. And I had someone recently, or a couple people recently, say, if you go back and listen, you can tell who's paying him. All right? As in, like, if someone's getting paid, now all of a sudden their opinion changes. And it's like, okay, I know that's the way of the world in a lot of industries, but if money's involved, probably you don't want my opinion being swayed, or sway, being swayed, my opinion being swayed, by who's writing checks. And let's be honest, we haven't had a sports book um, uh, advertiser that I've accepted for what it's two years now because I don't like even the appearance of that. Now the reality is there was a lot of money that got turned down, and the reality is as this industry keeps growing, and there's specifically books that are I think unimpeachable as good people, not good people, good businesses. When I say unimpeachable, I don't mean they never make mistakes. I mean net net, they're they're trying to do right by their customer, and there might be twenty things in a year they do that's suboptimal for the customer, but. All in all, that's their effort to try to please the customer. If you can get those kind of advertisers, then, hey, you can enjoy the money, but feel like you're not selling out your opinion, right? Well, I'm not saying, I don't have any analytical proof that this person's opinion seems different. It does seem, or I can't prove it is different. It does seem like the, you know, again, these are all rumors and innuendo, as they say. But if Bill Simmons is saying one thing one minute, and something different the next, then it's not gambling so much. Though I know he promotes gambling like crazy, but it's not like he's a gambling expert or he doesn't claim to be. But still, his opinion, why are you listening? You want it to be an honest opinion. How honest is it? And again, I don't think Bill Simmons is the worst. If anything, he's a pretty honest guy. He got fired from the ESPN from ESPN because of him hating Goodell and he wouldn't back off is the story. So I respect that. If you get fired over... Principles Want, wanting to say your your piece, yeah, I like that. So it's not even about Simmons. This is an example, though, Mackenzie, that it seems like his opinion changed drastically based on the wind of sentiment. Yeah, for sure. One week to the next, and as a gambler, I listen to Bill Simmons for his opinion. Like I want to know about the Celtics, about different things. That I think he has insight in. He loses, you know, a, a point in my book at any time that I don't think he's being hundred percent. Now that's an interesting debate. If you if you advertise shows or I'm sorry if you advertise sports books aggressively and you're talking sports are you in a way advi- I mean he gives parlay I mean he gives picks no, like no. That, that, that that get boosted or whatever so you know but again this is not about Simmons this is about this industry Scott if I if I if there's a guy that you liked 
Mm-hmm. All right. So who was someone as a kid? Like, did you like Francesca coming up? Yeah. All right. If I, if you, when you were eighteen, if if I said, "Hey, Francesca, you like him?" Did you know that? And I, and first of all, I don't have any idea about Francesca and this, so mm-hmm. we'll just use an example. If I said hypothetically, fantasy here, that he was, he used to bash this one company, but now he doesn't because he's getting paid by. Him, wouldn't that now? It's another thing. Listen, when someone does an ad read, they're trying to be honest, but they're not. It's not like they're you know uh, fill in the blank. You know, company is like their true passion in life. I mean, like the given when you're doing an advertisement is the veracity of it isn't always uh, for sure. I think it's fair to say, Uh, you know, like Tom Brady doesn't. What kind of car? Didn't he have like a real cheap car that he was uh, not a real cheap car, but like like Tom Brady's probably not driving a thirty five thousand dollar car. So if he's advertising it, it's like okay, you know, he. I'm sure he likes the company enough to take the money. Now again. This whole uh, thing with crypto and where he was advertising it or a spokesman, you know how much he was supposed to make from that if it went all the way through? He was supposed to make like $700 million. Mm-hmm. So he would have made more money from, and this is what I read, more mo- money on just that advertising deal than his entire career. Wow. So, I mean, he took a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't get the money of, or I don't know how much he got, but I didn't think Tom Brady was actually day trading on that exchange. <laughs> so advertising is what it is. We all got to be grown-ups about that. But if it's now the meat of the show, the content of the show. And in in journalism, there's and this is the thing about radio that's bad, I think. There's called a Chinese wall in journalism, which is the advertising's on one side and content on the other and they should never even be talking about anything cuz it can't be, hey, this they just bought an ad. We should do a puff piece on them. I mean, the New York Times shouldn't do that or a serious journalistic operation. Every radio station I've ever been well, I've only been involved with local ESPN and the National Fox. But in every case, sales has a lot to say about what goes on air. Scott, I mean, I, not, yeah. I mean, like to the point where if you're bashing someone that is an advertiser, even if it's legitimate, mm-hmm. you will get fired. No or, doubt. or if you're, or well, I guess I should be talking to you too. Or a team that you are affiliated with. Well, we know that with yes. AJ. AJ, tell us. Yeah. But, I wasn't affiliated. I didn't work at the affiliated station. No, but yes. But look, you went on the PD but, side for the last two years, so you were on both sides of this. Yeah, no doubt. But to your point, mm-hmm. when I worked in Austin at the Longhorn station, I got heat for not you were ne- too negative about not always yep. saying the best things. Like mm-hmm. they're calling and saying, "Hey, what's going on with so this guy?" So you weren't even bashing. It was like you just weren't fawning. I was the one person on our staff who picked Alabama to beat Texas in the national championship you said, Vince game. Vince Young's not that good. No, this was Colt McCoy. <laughs> hey, Vince Young was gone. I would have picked Vince Young, but I was the only one on our staff that didn't pick him. And they were like, "Why is he, why is he saying this stuff before we play in a national championship game?" You'd think they'd be happy you were going to take the heat, but it seemed like they were impartial. The whole station was impartial. You'd want, you wouldn't want everyone picking it. They wanted everyone picking it. Yeah, yeah and having worked for the Knicks and Rangers station, uh, let's forget about the Rangers, but specifically the Knicks, you could it, it's very popular with the fans to be very anti-James Dolan. Mm-hmm. But as a radio host on the network that carries the Knicks games that is owned by James Dolan, and you get a lot of money from Dolan, and your studios are in the building where they play basketball, uh, he did not like if certain hosts said too many negative was things about him. Was he listening himself? He came into the studio a couple times. But do yeah. you think he had someone? Was oh, he probably. I'm someone? sure. I don't know. I don't know what type of, type yeah. of guy he is. I mean— 
Now, do billionaires listen to sports talk radio? That's the question. Well, Trump did. That's well, not sports talk, but apparently when he was trying to decide how to run and what to do. He, I can, I'll tell you this, not sports radio, but uh, Bloomberg listens to Bloomberg radio. Used to comment about my sports updates. Okay. Michael Bloomberg. He, is that why they fired you? Pretty much. No. No, <laughs> no I still have a great relationship What, what, what would he say? No, it's like if I, if I mentioned like some sort of like uh, if, I didn't, if I didn't include like a tennis, they were very big on tennis and golf. Okay. And if I spent too much time on like, if I spent too much time on like the NBA and I didn't give like a full tennis thing, we'd get a report and be like, you know, Michael would prefer if you have a little more tennis. I'm guessing he had like quality control people listening and probably because in advertising they have that where they have people that do a check like what's that like? It's like a uh, I don't know I don't know what they call it, but yeah, there's people who check to make sure everything's getting mentioned that's supposed to be mentioned. Yeah, because there's a lot of trust on this stuff too. If you're not listening, I would prefer if there was more tennis. What is that imitation? That was my Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg. That was Mayor Mike. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, you're not involved in New York politics. No, enough, no. <laughs> I, I just remember when Giuliani and there was the thing with the yogurt. Yeah. I mean, that's all I remember. <laughs> uh, what was that? David? Was it Dinkins? Yeah, was the, Mayor uh, Dinkins. Yeah. yeah. It was, well, mm-hmm. okay. not for, they're, they're not my mayor. mayor. He's not my yeah. mayor. It was Koch, Dinkins, then. Exactly. Ed Koch. Mm-hmm. Well, Trump didn't like him. I think he wrote about him in the art of the deal. <laughs> but anyway, they said Trump had people listening to like Rush Limbaugh and different things and just writing the topics. And it gave him a feel of like what the Republican Party at the time was. What they cared about. What they cared about. So I think those that are too highfalutin, like in any era when someone says that's not dignified and they keep their old way, those people never look good in the end. It feels like wherever the way the world's going, it doesn't reverse itself too often. Yeah. Right? So I think in general, if you're going to be a politician, you got to know what is on political talk, right, in a way. Because how do you, I mean, not that you should govern that way, and that's the catch-22, right? It, politics is both being a politician and someone that governs, and those are usually diametrically opposed in the, w- what the right answer is. So, like... That's a good point. People would make a, a case that H.W. Bush, so the Bush that came after Reagan, he raised taxes because he thought the, the country needed it, right or wrong, and he didn't get elected over. I mean, he, you know, remember, he, it was like a year before the election, his approval was like 92% because we just had done Desert Storm 1, and it was a great success by, all, by most people's account, or almost everyone's account, and... How, at that time, if everyone said, what's the odds of him not being elected? It was like almost zero, people thought. He raised taxes, boom, boom. But now, was he a better president because he did that? If he thought that you have to do it. If he thought it was for the best of the country. Yeah, and you yeah. do it when you know it's going to hurt you. That's the definite. He didn't know it, he'd lose, but it was he knew it would hurt him. He knew it, it was a risk. Yeah, that's the definition of you know profiles and courage, right? And obviously, there's some on both sides of the aisle. In fact, I'll give a quick one. Truman... When he lost, you know, he he won against Dewey. That was a big surprise. The first election, and I think I think that's the first thing Jimmy the Greek ever became famous on was that Dewey Truman election. It's actually in his his autobiography. Like he was a big political batter back in the day, but then he lost again. And well, he didn't even run. I don't think in '52, if I'm remembering right. But he made a couple decisions that he thought were right. And he knew it was going to doom him politically. And when he left office, his approval rating was like 18% Truman. And in hindsight, he's considered one of the better presidents of the century. So, yeah. And then the interesting part is Kennedy, 
when he had to make a vote in the Senate in like 58, I think, maybe 56, that was a tough vote. He actually, his dad contracted someone to write Profiles in Courage. JFK put his name on it, mm. release it, and it comes out and it's and he makes his vote that everyone's mad at. And on the bookstore shelves, Profiles in Courage by John F. Kennedy. So he's telling you what to think. It takes guts to make his decision. By the way, my dad had a book written about it. Joe Kennedy's one of the trickiest dudes. You never wanted to go against him. I didn't know that he didn't write that book. My son's reading it right now. Actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I think so. I don't know if it was Swarson that wrote that, but uh, yeah, it's, they had a brain. Tra- that was considered the, the best and the brightest. Is a phrase you've probably heard before. That was actually Kennedy's cabinet because that was the first. He brought all new guys in, all the old timers. It was all World War II vets, which was only like 15 years yeah. after the war. So they're they're young. They're like not even 40 yet, and it was, um, yeah. It's a, it's great. I love the Joe Kennedy stuff, especially. And he was mobbed up. I mean, he he did allegedly bootlegging, et cetera. Huh. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you just... Why don't you look it up on the internet? I'm sure if they say who wrote Profiles on Courage, they're going to say. Um, listen, people ghost right all the time. Mm-hmm. It's no indictment, but it, it does take forethought to know you got a tough vote coming up, right? And, Very calculated. <laughs> well, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, the first uh, Ted Sorensen. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, did you see that pool? He was the speechwriter. Did, did you see that pool? Yeah. Um, the uh, JFK ran in a local house of reps the first time out of the war, right? And um, it would have been forty six, I think. Uh, I think. Okay, so it's every two years, right? Is they spent more money. There was 10 people running for this. The Kennedy spent 10 times as much as everyone else combined. Right? So like in theory, about a hundred times each of the people, but Joe didn't want it to even be close. So he had someone change their name to John F or to the, whoever the opponent was, that was a challenge. They changed their name legally to that person with just one little thing being different. And then he had him run. So like about a third of the people just picked the wrong name because they, they, they would run down and see the name first. And he got on the ballot? He got on the ballot. Wow. Yeah, Kennedy ran that too. I mean, you know, well, what did that take? 5,000 signatures? <laughs> I mean, he, he was that kind of operator. I mean, <laughs> That's strong. I mean, when, last thing is there was a guy named uh, Harry Cabot Lodge who was a famous senator. And in 52, Kennedy ran against him for Senate. Well, he would have been 54. I, I'm a little off on that. Um and what Joe Kennedy says, if you can win this, you can win the presidency. And it was like a year battle, and they beat him. But it was like, you know what it would be like? Uh, like John McCain getting beat in Arizona. Like this guy had been this, like the lodges were like the biggest name in Massachusetts politics for like 30 years. And this guy was like a four-time, five-time. Mm-hmm. So he was a lot. And here comes this young Kennedy who's Irish, Catholic, you know, the whole thing. Which, again, in Massachusetts, I don't think that would have been a negative. But and he, I mean, and, and Joe was very active in that one. <laughs> I love that stuff. All right. Now, AJ did some work on the age of the first title of a dominant player, or in this case, it's the age, right? Age of their first title, yeah. I think there's two thoughts on this, age versus years in the league, but you got the age work. What did you conclude? Uh, that 28 is not the it's not the this like the unbreakable ceiling but it's the general ceiling there's a few exceptions of guys older than 28 winning their first title all right so if you're 29 you haven't won your first title you, and you're a great player or a good player you've you're bucking history and maybe you don't win one since 1980 four guys older than 28 
have won their first title. Like that, a, again, a dominant define, MVP caliber uh, so who players. Who goes for? Dr. J. Right, and again, we talked about this in pre-show. He won an ABA title yeah. at this point. Uh, but he was 33 when he won his first NBA title. Hakeem, I think he only won one NBA he title. Only one, yep. Right. Hakeem was 31. Mm-hmm. He won two. But he went against Jordan. No. I mean, what I'm saying is prior to that. Yes, yes. Uh, Kevin Garnett was 32. Famous for not wanting to leave Minnesota. Yep, and did not win another one. And Dirk was 33, did not win another one. He was dorky. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. Now, Dr. J, I think that eliminated. I mean, the ABA was a valid title. I mean, you know, so... Um, there were the same amount of guys between the age of 20 and 23 when they won their first than over 28. So it's so, just as likely for you to win as like a kid than it is as someone older so 20, than 28. 2023 was Magic. Magic, Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi wasn't the dominant force on that first. He wasn't even close to the, that win against the Heat. He wasn't the best player on that team. Okay. I mean, I watched that. I was watching more NBA. I actually bought the season, the league pass the next year to watch the sport. I was so, because Boris Diaw was my guy. I, I often say that was my game, that kind of game. Just, I shot better. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm a little under six foot, so it's a little different. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, does, I mean, Mackenzie, you don't, I mean, you're old enough to know. You don't think that Kawhi was the best player on that team, do no, you? No, he hadn't made an all star team yet. He yeah. was an up and cover. I mean, he emerged uh, in the playoffs he, specifically. He, may, he emerged. You know, maybe you could make the case the second because remember that first year they had him beat, except for the Ray Allen shot. He wasn't there. Maybe the second year he was because he did emerge a lot that year too. He, he finally at the end, it was a late game. They'd be going to him just as much as Don. Well, again, they had uh, they obviously had Tony Parker, Ginobili, Ginobili off the yeah. So there was it was like a four headed monster and Boris. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and um, all right, so let's think about this. The theory is that the years in the league tell a lot different story. Yeah, because I'll do that work for Larry, next week. Like Larry Bird, Bird and Magic won in consecutive years. Eighty was Magic, eighty-one was Bird. But Bird was like twenty-five. He think. was twenty-four. Magic was twenty. Yeah, and they came out of college at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some didn't think so, but they came out at the same time. Bird, Bird was drafted a year earlier, yep. right? But it was somehow the draft rights would would maintain or whatever. Uh, Red Arback was pretty smart. But it's funny. I saw him recently, or not? He's passed away, but I saw him on an old Bob Costas. Just watch. It, he was still trying to get under Wilt Chamberlain's skin. <laughs> I mean, they hated each other for some reason. <laughs> okay. But I found it interesting. Jokic winning at 28 years old, which he—that's mm-hmm. when he won his first. I looked at a list of the the players in the league that we would consider if they won, they'd maybe be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying current players, if they get a title, they're now in the group of of Hall of Famers with a title. Yeah. All right. Joel Embiid's now 29 years old, so he would be an exception to and the rule. And let's be honest, we don't know how old he is. <laughs> right or wrong? I don't know that. Is that is that like a he, thing? He seems older, doesn't he? He certainly seems older. He looks older. Sort of He's Greg, got kind of the Greg, Greg Odin. Odin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's just say I don't think he would have been eligible for Little League. Okay. When he said. Fair enough. <laughs> right? I uh, mean, isn't that always the question? I am 12. <laughs> and then really, like, Jimmy Butler's 34. I don't know if we count him as that. Uh, James the question H- is, when's he going to win a title? James Harden's 34, hasn't won a title. Well, I think that ship sailed. Dame Lillard will be 33 next year. Mm-hmm. Like that's, he- that's what, in theory, there's going to be a huge bidding war for. Mm-hmm. In theory. Yep. Mackenzie, what do you think on that? What do you do if you're Portland? I move on. I mean, 
it's tough because I don't own the team. I don't have to talk to ticket holders or anything. It's going to be a bummer. So but, if you're you're saying if you're the GM, yeah, but if your I, job is the you know part of your job is going to be fan service. Well, then it's an easy job because Damian Lillard's going to sell tickets. And I'm going to be in eighth seat or worse. But part of your job is winning a title. This is why life is not always simple. Here's why I think it's smart for Portland to move on now from Dame Lillard. First of all, I just gave you the data. He's going to be 33 next year. It's unlikely that he wins a title at this point as as your team's best player, which that's what he would have to be if he won a title in Portland. But also the Blazers have the third pick in the draft, and seemingly Brandon Miller is now the favorite to go number two. Scoot Henderson. I think most of that's driven by, and again, McKenzie, I'm sorry AJ hijacked that. um, We'll allow him to have his say, but... Speaking on this issue of who goes second, so with Ball at Charlotte, the theory is that him and Scoot would be redundant to some degree. Is that how you understand it? Yes, and there's been some speculation they move on from Ball, but I don't think they will. Uh, Yeah, I mean, other than the contractual side of it, that seems crazy uh, because you don't have any idea what Scoot's going to be. Though, again, Simmons, Bill Simmons thinks he's a lock. And again, Simmons has been pretty good on his predictions on these players, but continue your but, point. Yeah, Scoot Henderson being the the number two prospect, mm-hmm. but seemingly going number three would give the Blazers a chance to reset young, cheap, and presumably— well, Why would they have to reset if they take Scoot three? Because then you've got redundancy with he and Dame Lillard. I mean, do you? I don't. I mean, I don't know enough about Scoot because Lillard's a shooting guard, right? Is Scoot more of a point guard? I mean, he can't be redundant with both Dame and with Ball, right? Because one's a point guard, McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Well, the traditional point guards like gone the way of the dodo. Yeah, but someone brings the ball up. Exactly. Like, Traditionalized in, they don't look to shoot. Yeah, I agree. That doesn't happen. I, I think Damian Lillard. I mean, he's he's never had to do anything else, but he brings the ball up. That's his that's his job. And they tried CJ McCollum, who's kind of a combo guard, and they moved on from for a reason. I think they need more of but a they, traditional shooting guard. But they've never won anything with Dame. So it's like we can say it was this or that, or we could say it was Dame. He's a small guy that doesn't play defense, that shoots, and he, he's great for the MTV generation, which is even past by 20 years. So the whatever the, the TikTok generation. But he's you, clutch, Dame time. But you also oh, said there's going to be a bidding war. Like, that enough is like, man, if you can get a good haul for this guy who's 33 years old. Well, yeah, because he's a good number two on a team that's ready to win. And, sure. like, like Miami would love to have Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard would be the best player on Miami. Yeah, probably. I mean, at least not best player by the TikTok generation's metrics. Would he, is he the most winning player? I don't know. Best don't know. offensive player? He would be on the Heat. I'm not offended by. Oh wait, <laughs> you can only use that joke once, and I just used it. Uh, imagine if someone did that every episode. Like every time someone said yeah. offensive, don't be, be like, defensive. <laughs> uh, that's a, um, I think there's two other complex things with this, Portland. One is if a guy's that loyal, even if it's economically or market-wise the best thing to do to trade him. Doesn't that pretty much kill your organization from then on ever saying we want loyalty? Yes, and I think this would have to— And that's what you're saying. That's what you want. I think this would have to stem from Dame saying, I'm ready to move on to. Like, I think it would have to be a mutual decision. Okay, so, but that—all right. And that segues to my next point, which is apparently he likes to be the top dog even if they're not—like, he wants to win, but he'd rather be the top dog than be number two and win. But that's why I think if he goes to Miami— He's the top dog and has a better chance of winning. 
But he's not the top. Jimmy Butler's the top dog. If, if, if maybe Jordan would be the one guy in the locker room, he would be the top. <laughs> but apparently, everyone's scared shitless of this guy. I mean, like, I mean, he's like dogging people, and no one will even talk back to him. They just try not to make eye contact. I, I mean, I don't know how he got his rap, but I mean, it, it seems legit. How many teams could Damian Lillard go to tomorrow that are good enough to to like have a reasonable chance to win an NBA title, and he would be the best player? Again, he culture says he wouldn't be the best player. Okay. But maybe that's the trick. Maybe that in some circles it's Dame, in some circles it'd be Butler. They're both getting the love they want. Maybe you've stumbled onto something. Sacramento? I don't know. That seems like a team that's a team. That's a capital T team. New York. Lewitt on the Knicks. He becomes a he becomes a bigger star than he already is now. He they already gets, have a point guard though. But they'll trade anyone. No, I, mean, I think, I guess, I think Lil, their just, best yeah. player is a point guard. Doesn't matter. Lil I think Dan Brunson will be great. Just, yeah. But the question now, Brunson, I, I again I should know this. I'm not a day-to-day NBA guy. How tall is he? Because the question is you can't have two short guards, is my understanding. So he's I mean, like six feet. Oh, well then that doesn't he's work. He's six two. Okay. I still I think defensively that'd be I mean, I mean, look at Luca. And Irving, right? I mean, two great offensive players. I know it was a short sample, but they couldn't, they, neither of them could defend anyone. You need, they were talking about this. Michael Cooper with Magic was perfect because Cooper was a lockdown mm-hmm. defender, could shoot a jumper. Magic did his thing. You can't have two Magics on the floor. What about the Timberwolves? So Pairing with Anthony Edwards. You, okay. You've got Rudy Gobert. They've got a ton of picks well, to give away. Well, here's the, how does Minnesota? Oh no, they don't yeah. have a ton of picks. Never mind. Um, I'm hearing they're trying to move on from Towns. That's what I'm saying. Is apparently the real this apron deal is you can have two max kind of players and that's it. You can't have three, even mm-hmm. if you want to have the rest of the team be remnants. You can't. So they got three already. Well, if you move Towns for Lillard, but now they still got two at that point. Gobert is obviously. Yeah. So yeah. they might have to break that up anyway. Yeah. Minnesota's not going to be paying the, that super luxury. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. So Dan, that's what's fascinating is will there be a middle tier of NBA players that are getting, let's say, twenty like. Let's say, I don't know, is 40 fair to say for like the, I know there's people above 40, but 40 is like a top person, right? Yeah, max guy. Yeah. All right. So would you rather have Jalen Brown or two $20 million guys or Jalen Brown and a bunch of other like $5 million or less guys? To me, there's going to be second fiddles that aren't worth the second max. Right, and I mean Miami's like that, right? Well, I don't know where Duncan Bam Robinson is. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good. Bam is a great example though, because he signed a max deal for thirty million a couple years ago. Would you re up from re up him for sixty? I don't think so. Yeah. I think you have to. Well, there was that. that was the problem. There was a couple. It was I think it was a couple years ago. It might have been that time when Bam signed that contract, where the NBA contracts were just like out of control. I mean, guys were getting. Ridiculous money. Timothy Mozgov got like ten yeah. million a year. You know, I like think the, some of that was yeah. be, some of that was because there was a cap on the, ma- the yeah. max, and thus people like LeBron that would be making seventy were making thirty. Thus mm-hmm. they had to spend that money somewhere, right? Is, yeah. Okay. I think this. I think there's going to be more parity than we've ever seen when this new deal starts to really exert itself because you can't have more than two good guys. What's going to happen? They're going to spread around. And that's going to be fascinating. And if we look at the- Which is why you have to love what the Denver Nuggets just did last week during the NBA Finals. Go ahead. They traded with the Oklahoma City Thunder to acquire more draft picks. And so what the Thunder- What what was the trade? Denver got a 2023, so this year, uh, 
second round pick. Okay. So now they have the thirty. They they have two picks in the second in the second round this year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they got a first two for next year. And they got a first for next year. Now it's the lesser of Oklahoma City's mm-hmm. first round picks, but they still get a first round pick next year, and they give up a first round pick in like a year that's a fake year, like twenty twenty nine. So Oklahoma City <laughs> is so maxed out they want it, they don't mind diversifying. They're for spreading out. Yeah, yeah. They're spreading it out. So Oklahoma City basically giving up a first rounder next year and a second round. They're going to get a first rounder in five years from now, six years from now. And what Denver's doing is they are maximizing this window that they have right now and using these picks to surround their star players with cheap talent, mm-hmm. which is draftable, controllable, yep. draftable talent. Now, some people are going to say second-round picks are like lottery tickets. But maybe, maybe you could maybe package pa- exactly. second-round picks and move up into the late first round, whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting how it does feel like the second-round picks are hitting more than they used to. Mm-hmm. Well, Jokic was a second-round pick. I know. and I mean, he's like one of the rarest of the <laughs> rare. Um, as you two, and let's start with Scott, as not hardcore NBA guys, but you know, fans more— um, where do you come down on the Jokic and Embiid debate, or just in general? How good is he the best player? And Giannis being obviously, yeah, I think Jokic is the best player in the league. He because Jokic's game amplifies everyone around him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's such a good passer, and the rebounds, the rebounds are always going to be there. When you have a big man, the rebounds are going to be there. So fifteen to fifteen rebounds, nineteen rebounds a game. It's par for the course for uh, an elite big man in the NBA. I think you're underselling his skill in rebounding. I don't think most 6'11 guys average 15 rebounds if you're not that good at it. Especially a guy that's playing a point forward in a way that, you know, you would think that guy's not going to be underneath to be rebounding yeah, as, much. In the paint as much. Sure. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, rebounds are a stat that, you know, all the Embiid's going to get rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Anthony Davis is going to get rebounds. They're all going to get rebounds. Mm-hmm. But Jokic. The ability to rack up double-digit assists on a nightly basis and score 25 points a game, more than that, that's so rare to have a guy that can literally do it all for you on the court with his size and his agility, as goofy as it looks, he's the best player on the court. Well, I think— Or he's the most valuable player on the court. I think what you're saying about the rebounding is interesting. In a way, what you're saying is he keeps parity in the areas that big, big men— or uh, excel at, but he can do things that you would expect from like a guy that's six seven, with his passing and such, yes. and thus he has the best of both worlds. Okay, what's your observations, AJ? This is the the most I've watched of Jokic. Obviously, I mean, I I I, I don't watch a lot of regular season mm-hmm. NBA, mm-hmm. but in the playoffs, the I, I watch a lot, and. It's blown my mind. Like I, There's I, a regular season? I can't believe how good the dude is. Now, now what element of his is so extraordinary in your mind, beyond expectation? Um, I, he is a such a great creator, uh, a, a big man who can – like, he moves in a way that a, a guy who's built like him shouldn't be able to move. There's no, There's nothing wasted with him. And he always knows exactly where he is on the floor. Like, if his back's to the basket, he knows exactly where he is in a way that I haven't seen in a long time from a big man. He's just insanely skilled. It's hard to believe when you see it with your eyes because he doesn't look like he should be as good as he is. And it's even still hard for me to accept that, like, he and Giannis are the same age. They're both 28 years old. Supposedly. And if I if I had to pick one and say, hey, you get the rest of this guy, you get the rest of his career on your basketball team, which guy do you want? I still feel like I'd have a hard time not picking Giannis. But it's undeniable what we've seen. Like the guy is he's uh, out of control. To me, the question is, is 
how good is Jokic on defense? Because by some metrics, he's an elite defender. By others, he's a bad defender. Probably the diff- the middle is the right answer. But Mackenzie, you're not, you know, you don't couch scout couch scout much. I appreciate that. But just the eye test, you probably watched more of him this playoffs than you had, you know, I'm sure you watched a good bit in the regular season. But how good is he on D? Has he gotten better than in past years? He's definitely gotten better. I thought he was a plus defender, like an elite defender in the finals. Bam Adebayo, they said over and over again, go at him, go at him, draw a foul. He did, and then he couldn't score. He shot a bad percentage the last few games. And he got a bunch of deflections. He always get that patented kickball. He's a above average defender for his position even. Yeah, and I got to give McKenzie credit. He came down pretty aggressively on the Embiid side of the argument. And then and I would say my least favorite quality of his is how he remains stubborn to a losing argument. But in a way, I guess that's I mean, I guess it's always like do they flip too quick? Do they, you know, it's a you know, sweet spot. Um but he came I, I don't remember what game might have been like halfway or maybe when the Phoenix series was over, he goes well, I was wrong, you know, and he just was like singing the virtues of Jokic. And I mean, to me, that that takes, you know, to me, that's how you get to the truth, right? When you know you've made a mistake. And again, I'm no expert at this. I, I've probably watched less of Jokic, certainly less than McKenzie. And I just knew that it doesn't make any sense that he was minus 400 and a week later he was plus 400 unless he murdered someone in, 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 in the interim. So that is what I rallied against. Um, I find it interesting, AJ, that you are saying, all right, who's the best players in the league? And you're thinking, all right, maybe it's Jokic and maybe... Guy nice anti-toko umpo. What do they have in common? They're not American. Not American players. And then as we go down the list and we think to ourselves, okay, well, who are the elite? Well, we know we got Jaw. We know we got Curry aging out of that role, but still there. And then, you know, who's the next? Tatum. Tatum. And again, I, I don't think it'd be hard for me to want to put my, mm-hmm. say Tatum's the guy, right? Like, I always am a Michael guy, and I hated Michael at the time because he beat my, and I was a Larry Bird guy. So I was like, he beat this, you know, again, they weren't really that competitive, but it was like, I didn't want him being better, you know, yeah. than Magic, better than Bird. And it's so funny. I heard on a podcast recently, they go, well, let's do the post Jordan years. And someone said, why? He goes, well, Jordan won every time before that, so what can we really... Like, we can't really judge Hakeem in 92, 93, 94 because... Or 91, 92, 93, however you look at it, is because he would have had to beat Jordan. Now, you could say, well, he didn't even make the final, so... But when someone's that good, that's the difference between LeBron... No one ever said, well, let's look past the LeBron years, because there's never been LeBron years. It's funny. I was I was uh, trying to figure out today, like, how the Western Conference has done against the Eastern Conference... And the best line of demarcation is post Jordan, mm-hmm. post Jordan Bulls. What's the record? And seventeen and eight, the Western Conference has won you know sixty eight percent of the titles since Jordan last mm-hmm. played with the Bulls. But before that, it's like it's willy nilly. It's hard to it's hard no, to it's keep not up. Willy nilly. Oh, you mean before Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was there was a long stretch of Celtics Bird. also. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it was it was Lakers or Celtics. That's yeah, it. yeah. But yeah, it was, and it was it was and pre Jordan, it was even for a while, and then but it's. Like that's the line. That's the line where you I mean, say, it's "Okay, Bill Russell and Jordan that had that kind of uh, concentrated performance." And listen, le- longevity-wise, LeBron's now. I think Steph, you could put in that conversation now too. 
Well, the conver- then it, it gets back to the whole how much of it was Durant. Because I mean, you could say the Warriors you can put in that conversation, I think, for sure. I think because they won before Durant and after Durant, it, they, didn't, they didn't need Kevin Durant. Well, but here's, if they even won one less title because if Durant wasn't there, it'd be a different conversation. Yeah. But that said, let's just say this. To me, it's LeBron and Steph post George. Well, let's think about this. It's Duncan and Kobe in the earlier 10 years. And I think it's LeBron and Steph. You know, those are the four to me since mm-hmm. Michael. And being on that list is an amazing thing. Yeah. I think for concentrated success, you got to give it to Steph. But we got to admit, even if we don't like LeBron for whatever reason, that the 20-year thing, he's playing better. You know, at some point, he's playing better. Maybe you could say Kareem, maybe, was playing equal to him. He didn't have as many points, but he was winning title. But that's it. There's no one else. And at that age. Yeah. But, but again, Michael or um, LeBron's a little younger because he, you know, so if we look at years in the league. Yep. I think his longevity is amazing. No doubt. I just think it's sad. There's never been a concentrated. There's time. not an era. Yeah, but in a way, it is sad because it meant he never was really that focused. The only time he was even half focused, or not half, anytime you could say he was approaching max focus, was when they lost to Dallas. Dirk got his, and then that next year he they were they were loaded to bear. They were not mm-hmm. going to lose again. Yeah. And unless I'm mistaken, who they be- oh that's when they beat Oklahoma City. Yep. Right, and they were actually underdogs in that series. People forget that OKC was favored in that series, minus one sixty. Uh, I still remember that, but they had home court, but still. And then the next year, the irony is, if Ray Allen doesn't make that shot, LeBron only has one. Now, who knows what happens the next year? Yeah. If LeBron only has one in Miami, it's a different conversation. Agreed. So that's the only time they went back to back, right? Because he only has yeah, they four. Were, yeah, but I mean, they went there. He, they, he was there for four years. They went to the finals for four years. He went to the finals for what? What is it, seven straight years? No, oh, or eight impressive. straight years. He went to the NBA finals. It's like, but if that were the major, Malone and Stockton would be really highly regarded. Like to some degree, you win it. Mm-hmm. Like the Bills. Th- think of how happy AJ would be if that was the metric, <laughs> right? Because in a weird way, Levy going to four straight Super Bowls is like one of the more amazing things. Mm-hmm. No one's even gone to. Th- Has anyone else gone to three straight? I don't think so. I think there's someone that did. I don't know. That's a good question. Ask ChatGBT. The way it is lately, it will say the Pittsburgh Penguins won three straight <laughs> Super Bowls. <laughs> I mean, it got worse, it seemed like. Miami Dolphins, 71-73. to yeah, That's what I thought it was. Patriots, 2016-18. to Oh, boy. They, they didn't make a big deal about that. Well, because there was a loss in between. It was a win-loss yeah, win. Well, both yeah. of them had yeah. Yeah, 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 But still, no one made four. Yeah. Right? But no one even talks about the Bills as one of the best teams of all time. That last hurdle matters. I think we can agree to that. No doubt. All right. Here's next year's title odds. Nuggets plus 475. Celtics, 6-1. to one. Milwaukee, 7.5-1. to one. Suns, 9-1. to one. Golden State twelve to one, 76ers thirteen to one, Lakers fourteen to one. Okay, I'm gonna have McKenzie give us one thought on each of these teams, but I do think it's interesting. At thirteen to one for the Sixers, it feels like it feels like it's probably splitting the difference with Harden. I mean, what we know for sure is the Rockets are two hundred to one, so there's no sense he'd make any difference there. But what would the if Harden comes back? They're not going to be that much better than thirteen to one, right? No, I think it is splitting the difference. Power rating wise, I think that bumps them above the Warriors, kind of where the Suns are. And if he leaves for nothing, they probably drop below the Lakers and the Clippers. Because the theory is they don't have that because of the way the contracts work, they wouldn't have that money to spend on someone else. Right. 
All right, so let's start with the Nuggets. What's your optimism moving forward? I'm very optimistic. I don't know if they'll win it next year, but I would be surprised if they don't win another title. I think they remind me a lot of the 15 Warriors. You look at their top three scorers for the Warriors, 58 points per game, 74 years combined age. Denver Nuggets, 61 points per game, their top three scorers, Murray, Porter Jr., and of course Jokic, 76 years combined. It's very similar in a lot of ways. I think they get better. Can I give you a little advice? You might want to divide by three and give an average age. 25 and 20. Less than 25. 24 <laughs> points on Yeah. He's like, 79 years. It's like, what's he talking about? <laughs> I remember my first title. <laughs> like Grandpa says <laughs> yeah. it. Now, unfortunately for those in Denver, you have no chance now to win it. Because I'm thinking back <laughs> to the, the after game two, when McKenzie, when, when AJ was on one of his Wally Pip things, and <laughs> McKenzie goes... I take like one vacation in the last <laughs> 10 years. I'm, I'm Wally Pipped. Now, and he goes, and he, he did one. You know, when McKenzie has something pre planned, he'll like stand up a little straighter and talk more from the chest. You ever notice that? And he went, and I'm now ready to say officially that I believe the Miami Heat can and probably will win this series. You always add that one extra phrase that makes it completely different from what I said. Well, and probably will. No, I said they can. They can have three games. Where so they your, hit a big, bunch of threes. your big announcement was that they it's possible they're going to win. That was a big change for me. Yeah. <laughs> so you thought it was impossible before? Yes. I thought that every series it was impossible for them to win almost. <laughs> after being 0 for 3 on the impossibles, you might have wanted to pull back yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Shouldn't have waited until after game you, 2. You remember that, right? Yeah. Well, he did say that. You said, I can now for the first time see my, a path for Miami to win. Let's just say this. As a listener who hasn't heard every word of his on the show, it felt like there was a big statement saying Miami's pretty much even here, coin flip, is what it felt like. You weren't there, though, right? I was not. Yeah, yeah. So, at that point, the Heat never won another game. <laughs> it was it was interesting. You should bring that up tonight, I think. I will. All right. <laughs> or, <laughs> I mean, just listen. you got to be – listen. Gary, you can speak to this. When you feel like there's something as an uncomfortable thing, you want to hear it addressed, Right. You don't want to. You don't want to hear people like act like it's like when the A's or the fans are chanting "sell the team." The announcers like they're saying something. I think they're saying Rudy Rudeminger. No, that's. <laughs> I mean, that's not what it's about, right? Speaking of that real quick, tell that story. That's fascinating. So the A's fans uh, organized a reverse boycott of the team on uh, Tuesday night, meaning they wanted to pack the ballpark to show that it's not the fans. Not showing up, the reason why the team is going to be leaving Oakland and moving to Las Vegas. And so they showed up the highest attendance figure that they have had the entire season. Over 27,000 fans, more than they had on opening day in Oakland. And they organized chance of sell the team. By the way, their average this year is 8,500. Yeah. They had like 4,000 fans last night, and then tonight they get 27,000. Uh, they organized chants of sell the team, including in the fifth inning, this was premeditated, the fans stood up and remained quiet until the first batter of the inning was concluded, and then they started to sell the team chants. It was so loud, the pitcher had to call time because he couldn't hear his pitch comm device, so he didn't know what to throw. Now, who was pitching at that time? The A's were in the field. The A's so were So they pitching. hurt their own team. Yeah. 
Now, my thought was, well, how was their attendance when they were winning? And we figured out about league average. Yeah, yeah. during the money ball they years. they were winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, now the question is, how much of that is the facilities, other factors? How much of that was just not great fan you know, love or support, I guess. Yeah, well, they were, you know, a 102-loss team last year, bottom payroll year after year after year, and that the fans are frustrated because ownership is not putting any money into the team. And there is no salary, you know, the sal- there's no salary cap, no salary floor, and you have teams that get a lot of money in revenue sharing, like the Oakland A's, that don't spend that money into their team. The owners pocket that money. Well, listen, I just got three words to say about all this. I'm not sure I like that as much. Let me try another one. I was, it said Vegas, but I wasn't. Anyway, what I'm saying is I'm. Uh, it's about screw Oakland, maybe, is the way to say yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I want that. Listen, I want Oakland to do as well as they can. But we, we took their Raiders. <laughs> now we're taking their A's. That does seem wrong now that you think about it, doesn't it? I mean, huh. We should have taken the Warriors when they well, were San Francisco got ahead of us. They stole them. <laughs> well, this is what I'll say to But the they were A's. in San Francisco first. So Oakland <laughs> took them, and then they took them back. This is what I'll say to the A's. <laughs> <laughs> time to go big time. Step into the spotlight. It's no more like 4,000 fans. No. I don't think I'll go to many baseball games. But you'll I, go to one. Nah. I don't you don't think, think so? so? Maybe if I got in a luxury box or something. Really? I don't like Cashman Field. You ever been there? No. Well, that's not even a baseball field anymore. But yeah. Well, I, is it? Well, where they? Oh, where's the uh, minor league team playing? Aviators Park, Las, or, Las Vegas Ballpark. It's in downtown Summerlin. It's Scores, great one of the nicest, park. One of the nicest. One of the nicest minor league facilities in all minor league baseball. Wow. Now, how many? Um, how many does it seat? About ten, I think. Ten thousand. So the the A is that? Would they be half empty? They'd be, yeah. <laughs> They could now the new proposed stadium, which is replacing the trop here on the strip, is going to be thirty thousand. So it's going to be on the smaller end of major league stadiums. But, but that's hey, the trend. That's if they, and if they draw the twenty seven thousand like they did tonight, it'll, the stadium will be packed. But we'd all agree from a business perspective, a luxury experience. Yep. Yeah. That costs more because mm-hmm. otherwise, watch it at home is the thing. Yeah. Like yep. you know. Um, I can't. I mean, I, again, I said this a week or two ago. I can't wait for the NBA because to me, that's that's the sport. I'm not a, as a Steelers guy. It's hard, and it's not like you get every team coming through with right. NFL. You got to be a fan of that. Have you been to a Raiders game yet? Here? I haven't. Would you uh, go to one? Oh yeah, I would if I was on the sidelines. <laughs> no wait, they, they don't have people. No, I would because I hear that. Oh no, that was the hockey. Uh, there's a state or there's like a nightclub or something. Well, there's still there is in the uh, there's a uh, in. Allegiant Stadium, they do have a touchdown Ooh, club. So I there like is like a idea. club in the one of the end zones. Now, real quick, because we only do 30 seconds of hockey a mm-hmm. year typically, but we but but again, Vegas won. So uh, you're yep. Scott's our hockey we guy. We are the champs. Yes, the Vegas Golden Knights in year six of their franchise existence win the Stanley Cup. An absolute blowout in the clinching game, 9-3. Our captain, Mark Stone, with the hat trick. First hat trick in a series clinching uh, game in the Stanley Cup Final since 1922. Whoa, they didn't have ice back then. Guy by the name of Babe Dye. So Babe Ruth and Babe Dye were going at the same time. Babe Dye, 1922 for the Toronto St. Pats. That's the last time it happened. Dye? Yeah, D-Y-E. Who would want to be named, your first name, A.J. Dye? 
Remember, I, remember Jermaine Dye? Baseball I do player? remember yeah. Jermaine Dye, yeah. Pat Ty <laughs> from Auburn? Remember? No. Pat Ty. You don't remember Pat Ty? You remember that, I remember right? Pat Ty, yeah. But you remember he kicked a field goal to tie a bowl game. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they called him Pat Ty after. Okay, you get it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but a great, great win for the for, for the uh, for the team, for the franchise, and for the city. If you looked at the images outside of T-Mobile Arena in that Park MGM area, thousands and thousands of fans were crazy. outside watching the game, just watching it outside. And I have no idea how crazy this parade is going to be later this week. Cheapest ticket in the door, obstructed view, standing room only, fourteen uh, fourteen hundred bucks. Less, like, you, to get in the building. And and tickets were going for as expensive as 14000 And if someone gave me a free one, I wouldn't have went. I think I would have went, if again, if I was in the luxury area. Because I I might get beat up thinking people's going to think, he's no fan. He'd, I'm going to go, puck, what's a puck? <laughs> I'm happy for Vegas. I will say this. As a guy that's been here over 20 years, this was the most transient city I could imagine. People came and people went. And you know what? In a weird way, the locals that stuck it or not that survived, we almost liked that because it was like, oh, he couldn't make it. It's like a guy told me once, I met him at the Mirage and we became, you know, he was older. He was like kind of a mentor a little bit around poker. And uh, <laughs> if anyone played at the Mirage, I probably know Chico Baker. He got caught cheating, apparently, got banned from all the properties. Damn. Allegedly, I don't know. But um, he was nice. You don't talk to him anymore? No, I mean, it's been over. No, guy's a cheater. No, (laughs) he tried to teach me how. No, it's it's a great story. He he was a master cheater. Because he wasn't a great player, but he used to be a uh, paramedic in Miami. So he was like a street guy, and he knew his stuff, right? And he was Hispanic and just had the whole thing going on, right? And he was very suave with his... Is he was like a confidence man, is as they're known. Con man is is short for confidence mm-hmm. man, right? Okay, so he he wasn't a great poker player, but he would take little edges. He was just trying to make enough to and get the free buffet. You know, he didn't want to work anymore. He was probably in his early fifties at the time, and I was like in my what was I like twenty six or whatever. So it was like you know it was a mentor thing. And one time he goes, I walk in. The Mirage used to be the poker place. There really wasn't any other ones. Like everything else was one five stud. That was it. This was the, there wasn't even no limit here. Like Doyle and those guys would be playing like eighty one sixty up up on the ramp. But I mean, it was like that was it. And um, and I would play like I initially I played six twelve hold'em limit, and then I played ten twenty, and that was where I got to the. Ten, you know, I didn't want to go. I couldn't go to twenty forty. It was just too good. Um, and that was about two years. For about two years, I was there five days a week. I, was, I did more of that than sports betting. And, um, and then the Bellagio opened. And then, and then the poker boom happened. It all spread out. Bellagio was still the number one place, but then Venetian got big, et cetera. Okay. But Chico, <laughs> he walks up to me, and he's, got, he's stacking these big chips. He walks up to me and comes watch. He goes, I can see the whole cards of both the people. He goes, Watch. I got, he always wore a ball cap because he didn't want to know people look what his eyes were doing. He goes, if I can see the guy on my left, I'll tap my left bill. If I can see the guy on my right, I'll tap my right bill. So he sits down, looks at his cards, he looks over, taps on his left bill, <laughs> taps on his right bill. He's a couple more hands. He finally wins another big pot. He's stacking him with a big smile on his face. He walks up, he goes, here's the thing. If you have an ethical concern about it, you can always give the money back. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on and yeah. kept playing. Yeah. 
<laughs> he taught me a few things. Huh? Not, not to really. A, there's a huge amount of cheating literature out there, and all of the casino stuff to prevent cheating. I mean, it, you know, it's one thing. I mean, you might think, oh, it's Vegas. You're not. And again, these days, it's probably with all the surveillance, it's harder. But back in the, even the mid '90s, which I wasn't here yet, I came out in '98. There was a lot of cheat where they had mechanics. The casinos were when a guy came in and was drunk and betting big, they'd bring in the mechanic and he wasn't going to win from there because they could he could deal seconds. He could deal. I mean, it was just, you know, they if you think about it, if you're a mechanic, wouldn't you rather work for the casino? Yeah. Get your hands cut off from the yeah. casino. Mm. So like it, if you wanted to bet high, you had to know and think of Doyle when they were playing all those home games. You had to know how to stop it or at least identify it. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Chico went a step further, though. <laughs> Perfect. A little too far. But in a weird way, you could make the case it's your, if he's not using any apparatus. There's no rule you can't look at someone's car. I, I agree with you're that. You're supposed to protect your hand. Yeah. It's like sign stealing in baseball. Like yeah. if you're not using any device, like if you're, mm-hmm. if you're giving away your pitch, that's on you. The later I got, the less I protected my car. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard to do this every time, you yeah. know. All right. What else we got? We I got a best bet, a bonus best bet coming up. You guys got anything else? That's it for me. Oh, we didn't really go through all these teams. Let's let Mackenzie have a shot here going through all these teams. So Nuggets, we talked about. He cursed them. Celtics six to one. Give me the one biggest fact. Like what makes you optimistic, pessimistic, or you think it's a big, big question? Celtics will win the NBA championship next year with Sam Cassell as their head coach. You heard it Sammy here Sammy Sam Cassell. Yeah, he just joined. The, he just joined as an assistant. He's been rumored for a lot of head coaching jobs. Really well liked by the players. I feel like it might be a, a that guy in, with the Commanders, where he's he's there as an offensive coordinator, but he's there to become the head coach. That guy is in Eric the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Let's think it through. What he's saying. So as they say, second row Joe, they've retained. My understanding is the front office loves him. They think he's a prodigy. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but they and again these. You know, we got a former prodigy as the GM. I'm having a mad block. What's his name? Brett Stevens. Stevens, yeah. Stevens loves him. First of all, I don't know half or a tenth as much basketball as whatever, hundredth as much as Brad Stevens. So let's accept there's something there. But what isn't there is experience. Now, McKenzie's making an interesting point. The act of hiring these, and didn't they hire the bench coach for Milwaukee under Budenholzer? Yeah, I forgot his name, but yeah, yeah. they did. So they brought in some big talent at big money to help him, right? Missoula. That's a commitment. The idea of the team failing enough to fire Missoula, but then having the up or the promotion from within, I don't see that how you split those hairs. If the if the team's doing well, well, the head coach keeps his job. If the team's doing poorly, how can an assistant be the answer? Well, I mean, the Nets, I mean, just ask the Nets. I feel like the Brooklyn Nets did that all the time. And the Nets are the biggest loser. Yeah. I mean, like, and it, but, I mean, you know, it was... But that was start an unexpected... Start the season off poorly, get the head coach fired because you'd rather have the assistant coach there. That did feel yeah. like the players were exerting yeah. pressure. Do you think the players have that much pressure with Brad... or uh, leverage with Brad Stevens? I don't know, but if they really do love Sam Cassell, I, I don't know if there is a relationship with Sam Cassell. Well, first of all, Sam Cassell has to be compromised or has to be limited or he would get a job by now. He'd be a head coach, yeah. yeah. To me, if anything, he's the same problem as Missoula. He's going to be a player... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, McKenzie. He's going to be like a player interaction guy, not an X's and O's guy, right? I think Missoula is more of an X's and O's guy than Cassell would be. I mean, yeah. 
How different is this from like David Blatt getting fired and Tyron Lue taking over? See, in that case, it was a non-player coach, like a guy that was trying to be hard ass, mm-hmm. and LeBron having the ability to get past, you know, to say no, I don't want this. And the, who was the Isra- wasn't there a guy coaching the Israeli league? David Blatt did. Oh, that was Blatt. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it was that. I thought there was even another. So he only coached like twenty games or something, right? It was, a, a season in twenty games. Oh, yeah. it was a season. Okay, and did they make the finals? They made the finals that season. Yeah. Wow. And then he got fired 20 games. No one has season. a question of is it players league or not. Yeah. Right? Stan Van Gundy is another guy. He uh, got fired from the Heat. Pat Riley comes down, wins the championship that year. Well, remember now. Pat Riley was the coach. He wanted the flowers. Well, no, no. <laughs> Pat Riley was the coach not that, I mean, maybe the year before, right? Or two years before. Yeah. And then they get Shaq. And drawing weight emerges, and it's all of a sudden Pat's like, you know, I think they need me, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and when he didn't do that with LeBron, that kind of said something about how good Spolstra was. Yo, he yeah. groomed Spolstra was his guy, yeah. yeah. And then apparently there's a big story everyone's always talking about now recently about how like LeBron wanted Spolstra fired, supposedly, and it, it got to be a little cabal going on. Where like, And, and Pat Riley had an all-teams meeting and said, you're going to lead to everyone. He goes, you will be gone before he's gone. I mean, in a way, that's why LeBron, they say that's one of the reasons LeBron left after four years was he just wasn't getting treated the way he wanted to. Like, apparently, Riley said there was, you couldn't have X number, like, more than X number of friends on the plane. It was like he was more old school, which you got to, again, back to the NBA, I appreciate that these guys winning, like Giannis, American or not, I love America. America or not, I'd rather, to me, I love the American way more than I love the country, right? Well, I don't know how you, that's not the way to say. If the choice was there's an America laundry on something, but they're playing in, in my opinion, in not an American way. Now, what's American way? Hard work. You know, that's the theory. Now, yeah. we know some of that's some of that's mythology, but I think some of it's legit. So I want a team that's playing like like the U.S. hockey team in '80. That feels very American. Yeah. yeah. So you, you like you wouldn't you didn't like. The what was it? Oh four, the team, the, the basketball team that lost in Athens. That's, oh. So that's why they created the redeem team afterwards. Yeah. And I think bringing Coach K, yeah. I was proud of those teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the fact they worked so hard at it. I mean, no, who likes something that if someone wins something important and doesn't it doesn't have to try as hard? You want them to have to try so hard, right? Because if it's easy, no. Now, but Tiger was someone that that is different because Tiger won early. He won often. But he, you always got a sense he was trying his best. Yeah. And we, lo- you know, the country loved him. So I just think when things come too easy, we usually don't like it as a country. Or if, if someone doesn't try hard enough. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know Jaws game enough, but I look at these, the newest, I don't know. I it's funny. I think sometimes these players can't win. I mean, Tatum, if he, if he talks about how great he is, people say that's bad. Mm-hmm. If he talks about, how he's humble, that's bad. Who's the next know. American-born MVP? That's it. I said, that's, that's McKenzie. I want to hear his thoughts. I mean, Jaw, I would have said. I asked him yesterday. On, uh, okay. All right. So, Lord, be. You know, the funny thing is I think I, about There's a new guy coming in the NBA who's like this all-time great. He's also foreign. Mm-hmm. Like, then you talk Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, Luka. Every top-tier player seems to be foreign. Well, let's let, and again, you made a good point a couple weeks ago. Steph Curry was competitive for the you know MVP recently. Meaning he if he he gets hurt so much now, it's hard to think he's going to win that. Mackenzie, do me a favor, just put a we'll, we'll do that to end the show. Put up a list of the top uh, all or um, all NBA 
the American players of the top 15, just whoever the American-born players are. All right. I just want to look and take a guess. I don't think it's going to be Tatum. Shea Gildas-Alexander? You see, that's Canadian. interesting. I think, oh, yeah. he's Canadian. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I don't like Canadian. Same thing with Jamal Murray. I don't. Yeah. Well, Devin I think Booker? the American way. I don't. It's not the Canadian way, huh? Devin Booker. Are we distributed in Canada? Yeah. Oh, I like Canada. Yeah. Just not as much as the United States. <laughs> Shout out, Michael in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, listen, Sue from Sioux Falls. <laughs> Might as well be up there. She visited Canada yeah. once. She, uh-huh. she actually got married in Niagara Falls, I guess. Oh, divorced now, though. Oh. She spends a lot of time just fuming about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else? Oh, I got my best bet coming up, right? So we'll talk about the All NBA at the end. Fezzik's back next week. You guys, all, we all made our picks. I only got one more to go, right? I got three. We each got only one more to go. AJ's got two more to go. Correct. I think next and week. Fez has two more to go. We can, yeah, we can stagger it next week, maybe. Um, so here's my best bet. And let's get our gal going here. Yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> one of the best theme songs of all time. I don't care what Rolling Stone says. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Oh, I missed a funny one. I should have had like moving on up, like taking over Blossom. What's funny is I almost started singing. They're just some good old boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Push the button. I was like, <laughs> say we changed it up. You gotta give AJ credit. He doesn't. He doesn't buckle to play. I mean, he says my favorite theme song is a show that had the Confederate flag on the hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of people would shy away from that. You embrace it. Yeah. Do you consider yourself alt right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, is it true? I mean, I hear Austin's a hotbed now. Is it true? What's the dude's name? Infowars. What was his name? Alex. Alex Jones. Infowars. Infowars.com. I, I got to be honest. That that Howard Stern stuff was hilarious. He, have you heard that? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was like about two years. Where anytime something political came up, they'd go to a guy who was playing Alex Jones. Oh, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty great. I mean, the way the way when he doesn't when he doesn't have the facts, he goes, and then it'll go, and then it was a deep state conspiracy. Like there's only certain words you <laughs> <Globalist>. can Globalist. <laughs> it's pretty good. I tell you this, all joking aside, you watch the last Rogan interview with him, you can see the guy's mentally like I'm saying mentally disturbed, almost sympathetically. Whereas his, something with his dad wasn't home and his dad supposedly was working for the CIA or something. And he thought that like there's something there, it seems to me, that is about he's trying to reconcile why his dad wasn't there. And it was something somehow he was prevented from being there by a globalist. It's a yeah, really, but the, the, the Sandy Hook thing that he just had to yeah. pay out millions of dollars. Like, yeah. That's the. That's the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard in my and life. And I'm saying I, like, think, <laughs> I generally think he believed it for a long time. What's funny is that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Until that Rogan interview, I always thought that he was like one of these guys playing to an audience. Exactly. And I thought it was like uh, his bit. Mm-hmm. That's I think he. You saw that same interview. Yeah, yeah. He was sincere. I, I think that's him. Like, yeah, I, I, which is. But again, but it shows you if you're trying to, if you're ever, and this Mackenzie needs to hear this, if you're ever trying to reconcile. Something that you can't deal with, like Trey Lance not being any good, and you try to contort the truth to fit your needs, it always ends bad. And <laughs> I'm joking about Mackenzie. I mean, I'm not about the Trey Lance thing, but I think he there's something in him. It's seen again. I don't like if it's a public figure, you can say a little bit. I don't like like trying to diagnose people from a distance. I don't care if they're politicians or what. But my impression is 
he can't deal with the idea that just w- was was with it, and thus he has to figure a way yep. for it to make. And then once you do that, that means the truth doesn't matter. It's what fits your story. Yep. Yeah, but again, obviously there was a lot of pain caused with the Sandy Hook thing. So I mean, that's different. It's one thing. I think political beliefs you can disagree, but hey, that's America. If you're starting to hurt people, then they pay a price. And you know what? The system's worked in this yep. case. It would seem. Except I got a feeling like OJ, he's going to be doing all right. And, you know, all right, here's the all NBA players before I do my uh, best bet Jason Tatum, Butler. No, that's not going to happen. Brown, no way. Donovan Mitchell, uh huh. LeBron, no. Randall, no. Fox, huh. All right, so I would say Fox, Mitchell, and then there's the Utah guy that didn't make any of these, right? Not uh, Durant. You mean Devin Booker from Booker. Phoenix? Yeah. You- Oh, I'm sorry, Phoenix. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'm going to say Booker. Okay. That was your answer too, right, McKenzie? That was McKenzie's answer. Booker or Tatum, yeah. Probably Booker. So his answer was two? He just said, hey, Well, he said Booker last night. I was night, actually but... thinking about it this morning. I, maybe Tatum is more likely. you got to be on a really good team. Kevin Durant's going to take some shine yeah, away. That's what, that, I think my, Tatum's light, slightly more likely. My, my guess, my pick was Kevin Durant because mm. if he stays healthy, and that's the big if because he just can't finish a whole season, but... Like he can win, he can be the MVP next year. Like if he's healthy for a full no, season, true. but you can say the same thing about Steph. I would too. Yeah, I guess you could. But, but Steph I think, is like three years older. Yeah. But I think the Suns are in the position now where like they're probably getting they're going to get rid of Chris Paul. It's going to be Durant's team, Durant and Booker. And I, I he's when he's healthy, he puts up numbers that are MVP level. And he, even recently, like even this year, he put up good so great numbers. Here's why I I think you got a point. By if, the way, Katie and and Steph the same age. Wow. Well, Steph's aging a lot faster. <laughs> I guess small players do, they say. You know, Here's what I would say. If we said who's going to win the most MVPs in the next five years or something that where longevity mattered, I would say you have no chance. Yeah. But if it's just win the next one, then in theory, Durant's got one or maybe even two more peak years, in theory. But when's the last time he won a whole season without being hurt? So, like, maybe... It's like saying Kawhi. If Kawhi stayed healthy for a full year, who knows what could happen. That's an interesting point. Kawhi, at his height in these playoffs, was a top-five player. So, But, listen, I think your point's just as valid as mine, and maybe the fact that it is makes my pick less good because if it was two on the same team, that's tougher. Brown can be a great compliment, but Tatum's always going to be the top guy there. At least, who knows if Brown... You think Brown's going to be there next year, McKenzie, with your pick? I do. I, I wouldn't advise it, but they're not going to lose the asset, and I don't see any trade partner jumping out of the woodwork. So you're saying that, that you, if you were the GM, you would get rid of Brown? You yes. You said I wouldn't advise it. I would strongly consider it. Oh, God, here he is. I mean, you look at the options. I mean, honestly, we have zero interest in that. If you don't have an opinion, say no opinion. Right? The equivocation doesn't work. I would, I would not work. sign Jalen Brown to the largest contract in NBA history. I would, I would rather just release him. So you, you notice how insidious that is, Scott? When they equivocate, then they can never be held accountable. You were wrong about the Heat. No, no, I said it was possible they could win. So how could you ever be wrong about that? Exactly. It's genius. <laughs> yeah, well, no, not on this show. That's other shows, maybe. All right, real quick, AJ, I want you to do a little research for me as I'm talking. All right. How many yards per game did Russell Wilson throw for last year? My bet is going to be Russell Wilson under passing yards, under 3,750 and a half. 
Now there was a clear distinction last year once they fought once Nathaniel Hackett was gone because mm-hmm. like there was a couple of games I do remember after Nathaniel Hackett was gone where he was putting up num- big numbers mm-hmm. and I, I KC game was one of them I think yeah. they had three touchdowns in that game um, yeah you know if you can eyeball I mean I don't know if they have the yards per game maybe we'll let AJ do this how he wants um, here's my rationale I believe strongly that Sean Payton feels a need to make a statement that distances his fate from Russell Wilson. And it's my understanding that was a key point in the negotiation for the deal. You got that number? 235. Okay. That was last year's number. Yep. 234.9, but yeah, 235. All right. So now if I go 3750, I'm going to just forget the half for a second, divided by 17. So they're saying 220. Point six. So you're saying it's actually, and it, last year was 235? Yep. He only played 15 games last year. Okay. All right. So here's my thinking. So obviously they're not showing a ton of, of optimism about him this year. And maybe part of my handicap is built into this, but I still think it's a good pick. I think he gets benched maybe multiple times this year. So imagine the statement. Let's say he plays 13 games, like most of the games. But after the fifth game, he gets benched for two games. He gets benched after the 11th. They let him come. What does that do? That's Sean Payton saying, look what I'm working with, guys. I can't. I was stuck with this guy. We got him on contract one more year. Because, listen, they, the Raiders don't have a good backup quarterback. Well, Stidham got pulled away by dollars. It's Denver saying we mm-hmm. want a young guy who had a hell of a game in the week's, uh, the 16th game of the year. He had a monster, right? Four hundred. They also have Ben DiNucci. On Dominic's <laughs> 34 points versus the 49ers. So to me, is that, was that the game? Okay. Yeah. So to me, it feels like that there's, they got a young guy they can roll the dice with. And their theory is, hey, with Sean Payton coaching him up, yeah. maybe Stidham's good. Right? I think there's a possibility Russell Wilson doesn't play half the games. Then that means it's a sure winner for us. So to me, I think there's like probably a 20, 25% chance this thing's a lock. And then hopefully we can split it 50-50 the other way. Now, that's too optimistic, but I think it's a 55% pick here. So it's under 37.50.5. Or let's start with uh, Scott. Any thoughts on this? I like it. Um, I think it was a bet that I made with. What? I, I have it written down here. It was with Fezzik. So Fezzik's on the over side? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Fezzik's on the Broncos to be successful side. Okay, okay. And, With Stidham. and and I said that the Broncos will not win that division. I'm risking thirteen hundred to win two hundred that the Broncos will not win the so division. So this is an anti KC play for you too, in a way. No, no, no. For me, it's an anti Denver play. Fezzik. Oh, okay. I, I He's have taken the long shot. Okay. Yes. I'm saying Denver is not going to be a All right, so very you're generally anti Russell Wilson. Yes, I'm very I'm anti Russell Wilson. That's my long way of saying I'm anti Russell Wilson and I agree with you. And and to me, the question is, how much does Russell Wilson improve with Sean Payton? That, that's sort versus, of the, the balance. Yeah, versus the idea that, that I think Sean Payton doesn't want to be married to Russell Wilson. Because there's a real, I mean, obviously the, there's a coach. We, we Sometimes with a new coach, you don't know if they're an upgrade or not. We know certainly he's an upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett. Like, In fact, it'd be hard to imagine any scenario which it was more like this. If Sean Payton's <laughs> head fell off and they duct taped it back on and set him out there, he'd be at least as good as Nathaniel Hackett. So, And, and you know what I think about that? It's going to make a sexy scar. It would. <laughs> it would. <laughs> All right, boys, we got anything else? Let's ride.
<laughs> That's good. All right, this is a good show. Fez back next week. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to tell the Fezic stories real quick. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll rapid fire this one. Uh, Scott, tell me a story. You know, you've been over a year where you've been, you know, you're coming initially once a week. Is what, and again, this is just saying give us some insight. It can mm-hmm. be pro, it can be con, it can be he eats pizza with his I, I knife will, and fork. I will say you can get hammered if you played a drinking game taking a shot every time Fezzik said, pull back the curtain, and <laughs> and did the Superman ripping the shirt open. So he, he's doing, he's a mime almost. With yes, it. yes. But but when he does it, he does it like he's Superman pulling across his across the shirt, <laughs> revealing the S logo on his chest. Like somehow the shirt is the curtain. Yes, yes. But somehow this ties in with him wanting to take his shirt off. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is all time. Yeah. Okay, and what's interesting when he pulls back the shirt, his mouth moves from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> he does stick his chest out of it. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> so what does that tell us? He thinks he's Superman. Maybe it's stuck in Clark Kent's body. Even better. <laughs> really, <laughs> Mackenzie. Early on in my tenure here, he took me to Buffalo Wild Wings. It was really late one night. And he, and he just starts taking these tickets out of his pocket. It's like 4000 on Vikings minus five and a half. And he's like betting the other way. 6000 on this. 7, so wait, 000. he's betting the other way. So these games have yet to he play? He was showing me tickets that he had, and he was telling me, by the way, I like all the other sides now, but I got the closing line value. So that was my introduction to Fess. Okay. Now, I know Mackenzie's always first in your mind. This wasn't about your introduction. It was, what does it say about Fess? That says a lot to me. First of all, he has like twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in his pockets worth of tickets at, that he can just flip out at Buffalo Wild Wings. And it, it was just a... Did you look yeah. at those tickets? I looked at a few of them, yeah. Did you? Just, did you? I, I didn't closely <laughs> examine them. Did you, did you, did you read the... the, secu- or the those um, were IOUs. Duplicate. The barcode. <laughs> That's as good as money, sir. That reminds me of an old scam at the track, right? So let's say that track, all, all these guys want you to back, like put your money up and get half the win because they seem smart. And let's say it comes in 512 to try and the try pays like 1500 like a big number. They'll walk up real quick and go, give me 512 straight for the next race. All right. Now they have that ticket and they'll be going around saying, who got this one straight, baby? You see that? And the, you look up, it says 512, and it's 512. Like, damn, he goes, Yeah, it's on my third try today. Puts it in his pocket, and then he starts looking. He goes, I really like this race. All of a sudden, go, Oh, really? Who do you like? He goes, Well, you know, you know, actually, where are you from? I, I'll do you a favor. You want to put up half the money for just this. That, that's a scam. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now you're thinking I might have fallen for it. Well, who wouldn't, right? I mean, that's you always got to fall. I shouldn't have talked to that guy. You always got to fall for yeah. these ones. Oh. Uh, that's the only way to learn, or you can read books. But <laughs> Mackenzie, I think you might have got that done to you. I got paper mooned. Oh, I never heard of that. I What's heard that? Of you? That sounds cool though. Grifted. Oh, I know. Yeah, the grifters. Kuzak. Uh-huh. All right. Watch that cigar on the back of the hand, though. All right. I think you're right, though. What Fez was showing you. Well, one, I've never seen him pull out tickets. So he had some scam involved. There. Well, I, now he doesn't have to pull out he tickets. He's got phone. them on his phone. Yeah. Everything's on his phone now well, through he's apps. Been here like three years. Okay. It wasn't back in the 70s that they were doing As you know, Fez slowed into technology. That's true. I've seen the phone, though. He's shown the phone. Yeah. You sure it wasn't a screenshot that was doctored he by He scrolled. Phone? Okay. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm saying you don't know. Yeah. That's the thing you got to know is you don't know. Don't believe your eyes. <laughs> but it does tell an interesting story. He's betting numbers. Yes. 
And pros bat numbers, they don't bat teams. So always remember, if you're indifferent to the half points, you're, 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 that's going to be your downfall. Or it precludes you from winning long term. Here's the, the important story in my mind. Every time someone new comes, Fez befriends them. And then he's teaching them something. And it's always a way he's going to make money. There's somehow it's not obvious yet, but rest assured, you don't even have to. I don't even have to see. I can just see him talking around the corner. And it's like, yeah, Fed's going to make some money from this. And he's not trying to hustle that. He's not going to hustle someone internally until they're ready to leave. Then he'll hustle them on the way out, maybe. But <laughs> but he is going to find a way that they're. He's going to use them almost like an 18-year-old coming off the bus from Nebraska in L.A. Like, the, you know, the guys that hang out at the bus station? They're like, oh, hey, you need a place to stay? That's what Fez is doing. So, like, with you, Scott, it was I noticed he was really into you learning how to count cards. Yeah. And ultimately, that was going to benefit him. Yeah, I guess we were going to maybe sit at a table together or yeah. something. Or I don't know. Yeah, you. there was some. But, and it, it's, 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 you know what? The guy always ends up doing okay, meaning it's not like he's trying to take from them. Yeah. He's, he's almost like a, what's that called when there's a host? A, a parasite. A, a parasite. But that's, that has a negative connotation yeah. to it. Let's just say he's a friendly parasite. He's a barnacle. Ooh, like from SpongeBob SquarePants? Well, yeah. Okay, explain. Like he's latched on to someone and he's going to feed off them for a little while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but he's given them feet. Yeah, he's somehow that they, they latched on to them. Their success equals his success. Yes. So that's the thing. If somehow latching on to him made it where they got a different, let's say they were getting double as much food than they yeah. would have, a higher quality. It's like a tapeworm. Yeah, higher quality, but he gets his feet too. Mm-hmm. And that other person's a little weak, feels a little used, but they survive. Yes. That sound right? The analogy sounds right. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Now, I always say this at the end. Do you want to be on his side or against For sure. Him? And Fez is a generous dude also. No. No. <laughs> he's he's generous with intent. Like he's gonna get he's gonna give you the you know, the comp ticket. He's going but rest assured, he's like it's like there's this is the book in the God or in the Godfather book. There's a thing about, uh, Michael was explaining the Godfather, his dad to someone, I think Decay, and he says, he's like, and apparently there's people that go to North, the North Pole, or at least they did at the time, and they drop baskets of food with a little flax, figuring I might come back this way at some point where I have no food. So they plan when they come up, they have enough to drop the first couple places. And he goes, and rest assured, when my dad's hungry and he needs that food he left you, you better have it. So, and again, that's a godfather. It's different. But Fez is figuring no reason not to be nice, and maybe I can get something out of it down the road. Okay. He's a very transactional person. Like when he, at the end of the year, when all his Caesars points were expiring, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, yeah. I got more points than I know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Take your wife to Nobu. Mm-hmm. He got us a room at the Augustus Tower. At How Caesar. much did all that cost him? It cost him nothing. And right now, look at this, what he's getting at. See, that's the point. It's not wrong. It's just like yeah. most people don't operate like that. He's just a computer. He's like the Terminator looking around. It says, it pops green, positive EV. He likes, he genuinely likes that you enjoyed yourself. I mean, don't, I don't doubt that, but it's, it, that isn't what's in the number. The number, the Terminator number is a number. 
Now, Mackenzie, you know him longer. I said a variation of this at the beginning with you, right? Yes. How's it to panned out? Uh, I've 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 got, I've dropped off some food, you know, <laughs> in my in my time here. So what you're saying is you agree? Yes. And you know what? It's a great. I tell him it's his face all the time. He's, he's always got an angle, but he never tries to exploit people. That's that's the thing. Most people will exploit that have his ability. In a way, you got to almost say he's the guy that's going to exploit more, and he doesn't because he has the ability to do it, yeah. and he doesn't. It's like the guy that is married to like the unattractive girl or the woman by conventional standards, right? I mean, you know, who knows? Everyone likes what they like. If he can't get another girl or another woman, it's really just he's just getting what he can get. But if there's a guy that is like able to attract conventionally beautiful but is with someone who's more homely that's a statement right that's Fair. like he, he's he's giving something up what is the person giving up fez could exploit he could have it we owned your house probably in a couple months <laughs> who knows how because that's what he, he's a master but he doesn't so in a way we're saying he's a good person i think he is that's like a parasite yeah he's a good parasite he's the best kind of parasite he, that's it fez is the best kind of parasite you can have him on your side. That's all we can do. That's it. What do you think, Gary? Does that work? Absolutely. It'd be great if he goes, he's my favorite parasite. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, we don't have Fez bringing us out, huh? I'll do it. I think that might ruin it. Okay. We're just almost like when Leonard Skinner played their first show after Ronnie Van Zant uh -huh. died. They played Freebird, but it was acoustic, or it was uh, instrumental. Okay. And they just had a spotlight on the empty lead singer position. Think of that as we go. See you next week.